Podcast, uh, hundred subscribers episode part two. I am your host Ryan. I'm Chuck, and uh, welcome back. Uh, this is our part two of our top fifty list of f- top fifty Star Wars and GI Joe characters that Chuck and I deemed were worthy to be in a top fifty list. Uh, I'm sure our opinions will differ when it comes to that, but greatly, yeah. So greatly, <laughs> as we noticed last time when Chuck had an outrage about. Uh, C-3PO being number 35, I think it still bothers him to this moment. I still talk to you about that. It should be way <laughs> higher on the list than yeah. 35. Well, again, this was my list, so. You're wrong. Maybe one day we'll switch and I'll do G.I. Joe and you can do Star Wars. We should so. do that, maybe. So, But anyways, we did this for uh, the fact of having 100 subscribers, and I'm really happy to report that since the initial thought of doing a 100 subscribers episode, we are now up to 374 subscribers the last time I looked. Wow, thank you guys very much. So, and we've had, uh, we'll talk about a little bit more next time on our next episode, but we've had a lot of different countries, new countries that started listening to us, which was very awesome. We're well on our way to number 500. Of, yeah, we got to think of something to do for the 1,000 or something. Yeah. Well, I'm th- even thinking if the listeners think of something that they'd like us to do for 500 subscribers, maybe we can do one episode, one Yeah, episode. email it in, send it in. If you got any ideas to try to help out or something you want to hear or something like that, that's fine. Mail it in. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you don't have to mail it in. Send it in. Email it in. Email it in. Email it in. Yeah. I'm not giving my address out. P.O. Box. Yeah. yeah. So, but anyways, uh, before we get into finishing off the list, which I know you're all anxiously awaiting. I'm bated breath. Yes. Uh, Chuck and I actually did go out to a convention today. Right. Right. And uh, this was the Akron Canton uh, Comics Convention. Right. It's your first one. It was my first one ever. I've never been to a convention before. Rather smaller convention. Yeah. It could have probably fit in a room. Like a bedroom or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> wasn't that small. It wasn't but, that small, but it was pretty small. Yeah. Um, so I was a little underwhelmed by it flea because I've seen what other conventions could look like. So, but it was right. a good, good stepping stone for me. Get your feet wet, kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they had some toys there. They had a lot of Golden Age comics. There, a lot of those, yeah. Uh, which I wasn't really in the market for. So. Yeah, me neither. Yeah, there. I mean, there were some unique things. We found a couple of pretty good artists there. Yeah, so some, some artists there. A couple of guys selling new stuff. New comic, some guys selling you know toys and action figures, things yeah. like that. But now, word of advice, and, and Grant, I'm new to the convention scene, but word of advice: if you're the one selling something at a convention, and the guy at the table next to you is selling the exact same thing, and his price is cheaper than yours, you yeah. might want to try to at least come close to matching him. Yeah, odds are he's going to sell his item first, right? And and maybe you will sell yours because you won't. He won't have his anymore. But I don't know. Right. It just it seemed kind of odd to me. Just uh, look around for the best deal and not the thing you want to buy, and yeah. odds are you'll find a better deal than somebody else. So, uh, but we found, like I said, we found some awesome artwork for not a bad price. There was right, an artist yeah. there that had uh, had a, some amazing pieces of art that we were able to pick up for. We got four pieces for thirty bucks. Yeah, it was really great. I ended up getting a uh, Spider Man. 
going across New York, which mm-hmm. was really nice, swinging across New York, and I picked up Star Wars. Yeah. No, it was... Uh, Jabba the Hutt, Slave Leia kind of scene. Yeah, it was uh, Jabba the Hutt there, Princess Leia was uh, laying in her uh, bikini. So you know you had to have it. Right. And then I think Bib Fortuna was there, and yeah. maybe C-3PO. C-3PO was there. So I, I had to have it. Yeah, you had to have it. I had to have it because... I have the original Jabba the Hutt, and I want to set up a scene. I thought it would be awesome to have that picture behind him. So I picked that up, and I also got a Hal Jordan with all the different colored rings. Yeah, commemorating the, the Blackest Night. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so that was pretty awesome looking. And, and maybe I'll be able to scan those in or something like that, and we can post them on the forum or something for you guys to kind of see what they looked like. But it was yeah, that, really amazing Yeah, look. the artist was there. He signed them. It was really nice. Yeah. So that was, that was pretty fun, uh, but... You know, again, I'm, I'm going to be going to Super Show in March. That's my next big convention. Where's that at? That is in Reading, Pennsylvania. That's okay. done by the Comic Geek Speak guys. They are the ones that host our forum. So, right. And it's the end of March. And it's the end of March. And that's going to be probably my first big convention to go to. Yeah. So I, I needed to have a little small one to kind of get me ready. Just to say you've been there before. That's right. So also to make sure it wasn't all going to be just guys that were 50 years old living in their parents' basement that uh, dressed up in costume and came. So. Yeah, there was no cosplayers there. Only one guy walking around for the kids dressed as a big eyeball. Yeah, it was Captain Eyeball. Captain Eyeball, eyeball yeah. Yeah, it was... Yeah, it was... It was one of those things where you... When he walked past you, you had the urge to just push him over. Because he would have toppled over. Because he would have toppled over. It would have right. been great. It would have been like cow tipping. But, the, yeah, <laughs> there's no cosplayers, no, uh, you know, 501st Legion or no uh, Klingons or nothing like no, that. So. No, no. So. It was a good one to get your feet wet. So uh, I'm looking forward to maybe, like, kind of looking forward to maybe seeing that at the Super Show. I, I'm sure there's going to be people there dressed up. So, um, But before, again, also before we get into the list, we did have a couple questions that came up on the forums. Uh, we do have a thread on the forums that's called Ask the Holocron, and that's where you can actually ask Chuck and myself questions. That of anything, uh, G.I. Joe, Transformers, or about us, or about anything in general. Just like, any questions yeah. at all, just go ahead and ask. Yeah, why is the sky blue? You yeah. Know, whatever. We'll try to do our best to answer them. Yeah. Um, so we did get a couple questions, so we're going to answer those real quickly right. here. And um, thank you guys for the questions. That's, yeah, that's great. absolutely. So uh, the first question came from Wolfman Z, or Wolfman's, I don't know what he's going by, but he said, so first question, a big uh, debate among many collectors, and was wondering what your thoughts uh, to open or not to open. He said, personally, for a long time, I kept my fingers on cards in my very first apartment. Uh, I had an oddly shaped closet uh, that I hung, only kept to- uh, toys in there. My starting lineups and my Power of the Force figures. Eventually, you have girlfriends or wives that are not fond of you displaying your stuff. So as time went on, I just stored my stuff in boxes and still on card. Now that I'm older and a little wiser, I find myself opening my figures and displaying them now that I have a dedicated area for that. So I was wondering uh, everyone else's thoughts on it. Yeah, um, basically, I was kind of the same way when I first started collecting. I did mint on card for the most part just because I liked the artwork on the card. It was my first apartment and I just kind of penned them right on the wall. I didn't care. Yeah. I had posters in my living room. Yeah. So who cares? You know, it's your first place. Yeah. But, like, yeah, later on, you finally get girlfriends, wives, stuff like that, and they don't want action I, figures I don't hanging get that on the either. wall. I don't, I don't get that either. We need to find a girl that can tolerate that. Yeah. Or accept that, I guess. Yeah. My well, wife's my, pretty accepting. Yeah, I was going to say, my wife accepts it. My wife's it. pretty accepting. But my wife doesn't understand it, but she accepts it. She accepts it, it right. <laughs> right. So, so, yeah, yeah, pretty much I was the same way. Now that I have space or limited space, 
and I like to pose them and display them. I'm, I'm kind of more of an open yeah. collector, so I, I would say now if I were to give somebody advice, open them up. Yeah, I, and I think I've almost always have been a person that's opened up their figures and their toys and stuff like that. They're just more fun now. Yeah, the only one that I left in the box, but I will be opening it once I'm once I get the room done in here and everything, is uh, the Jabba the Hutt that I got from that was original '80s series Jabba the Hutt from Return uh, of the Jedi. From Return yeah. of the Jedi. Well, something like that that's going to be maybe even worth some money. You might want to leave right. it in the box, consider it. But if you don't ever plan on selling it, well, and that was the thing. Like originally when I bought it, I think I was seventeen, eighteen, and I was like. Yeah, I'm going to keep this in the box. I'm going to keep it as an investment. I'm going to resell it sure. down the line. And now that I'm 34, I'm like, I'm never going to sell this. You're never going to get rid of it. Because yeah. I have an attachment to it. Yeah. And so I, I'm i going to open it up. Uh, so I guess we're saying if you keep it, uh, if you're looking for investment purposes, keep it, in yeah, box. keep it in a box. But if you're looking to just display it and enjoy it, go ahead and open it up. Yeah. So and then the next question came from Warp Speed. And he's got three E, so I'm speed. Speed. Uh, yeah, there we go. And then uh, his question was, was just thinking about what are some of your favorite storylines in G.I. Joe and the other 80s shows and comics that you enjoy? And I think, that just to before Chuck kind of gives his answer there, I think one of the things that uh, Chuck and I talked about doing is we are going to do like a top five list of favorite G.I. Joe episodes and yeah. probably a top five of Transformers episodes. Yeah, future top list down the line. Yeah. So we, we can cover that at a later time, but... For right now, myself, just a favorite comic book that they've done with G.I. Joe would probably be The Devils Do America's Elite. Okay. I really enjoyed that. And um, I never read that, so... Yeah, I, I can let you read it. I picked up a few issues, but I, I haven't just, read it yet. It was like they started prepping for World War Three, okay. G.I. Joe versus Cobra, and then it ended. Oh. So right when it started to ramp up and get good, it stopped, so... Now, I would say my favorite G.I. Joe, of the ones I've read, my favorite G.I. Joe comic was the uh, G.I. Joe Cobra. The Chuckles. Okay. That ID, uh, IDW did. IDW, yeah. And that was an amazing story. That was good for four issues. I, yeah. I know you were liked Reloaded, too. Yeah, Reloaded was, was great. Yeah. That I was really, good. I really enjoyed Reloaded because it was just a totally different take on the whole right, mythos but, and everything. Yeah, so. but again, that one lasted 11 or 14 issues. 14 issues. 14 issues. Yeah, because yeah. I have the 14th issue and I have issue number 10, or up to issue number 10, so I need like 11, 12, 13. Now I've got the whole thing. Yeah, you suck. I know. As far as uh, the cartoons, uh, one of my favorite G.I. Joe cartoons was, uh, episodes was The Viper. The Viper. Uh, which is just, a, it was a comical episode, but it was also a lot of action in it. I also really liked, even though I don't really care for the character of Serpantor, I did like uh, Arise, Serpantor, Arise, which was the creation of Serpantor. I really liked those episodes. Serpentor? Serpentor, uh, yes. Panthor? I, yeah, whatever. Panthro? I call him Serpantor. Serpanator. <laughs> Serpanator. Wasn't a uh, too big fan of Serpanator. <laughs> Serpentor. So, uh, favorite G.I. Joe's. Uh, I like the miniseries, the five parts when they did those, the Mass Device, Weather Dominator. But single one would probably be Countdown for Zartan. Okay. When they Joe's take Zartan prisoner and they use a wristwatch to try to tell him there's a bomb planted and it's going to go off and Zartan's locked up in the building where the bomb's going to be. And the Joe's won't let him out until they tell him where the bomb is. And Gung Ho kind of switches his watch and makes him uh, think it's two minutes fast, so they got two extra minutes to find a bomb. And nice. Zartan finally cracks and tells him the bomb's at. Yeah. So that's, that's a good one. That's a good one. As far as like Transformers, uh, I love the introduction of the Dinobots. 
Uh, that's one of my favorite ones. One of the introduction of the aerial bots was one of my yeah. favorites, and the uh, Return of Optimus Prime, the the actual Return of Optimus Prime, the one right. where they use the song "The Touch" again from the movie. Yeah, yeah. That was a good. I I actually liked that episode. Um, yeah, I wasn't uh, crazy about Dinobot Island though. I like Dinobot Island. <laughs> favorite Transformers would probably be the first original three. Yeah. Introduction miniseries where you see them. And you know who they are and what they're about. Yep. That's probably the best one for me. And then, like, other 80s shows, I know you and I talked about Thundercats. One of my favorite episodes was the, uh, I think it was a multi, multi-part again, but it was the episodes where it was the Trials of lion where he had to actually battle each of the other Thundercats to prove that his he worth, just, yeah. his worth. So, so that was a great leader. Yeah, that, that was, was a good one. But, again, same thing with uh, Transformers when the beginning of the Thundercats, when they take off. When they're leaving their home planet of Thundera and it's exploding or whatever. And then they go through space and Jaga has to pilot the ship because it broke, took on some damage. And the Thundercats go into their little sleep tanks and Jabba, you know, dies getting them to Third Earth. Right. And everybody, you know, wakes up out of their hyperbolic chambers all refreshed. But Lino seems to have aged from an, you know, 8 to 10 year old kid to an 18 year old adult male. Right. While everyone else is still the same age. I never really understood that, but I accept it. And, and I think there was, again, we talked about it. I think, I'm sure they explained it somehow. Because yeah, I gotta you go back and you, you would it. have to explain it. I gotta so. go back and rewatch and see if there's an explanation um, for that. As far thing. as comics for Thundercats, I would highly recommend uh, Thundercats The Return, which is where. It's ap- after the series, right before it, they did a mini-series where Lionel, at the end of it, goes into the Sword of Omen. And when he comes out, it's many years later, and Mumra has won. So it's kind of like an all-hail Megatron, where right, the bad guy won, right, yeah. and now the good guys have to come back. So that was really good. I don't know if you read any of the things. I haven't read that, but that sounds really good. I'll go with that. Yeah, okay. Because the rest of the comics were pretty much based on the cartoon. Right. So. Then as far as the Transformers comics, uh, all-hail Megatron was awesome. Awesome. Uh, the... Infiltration that was the very start of the IDW run. Yeah. Uh, that was amazing. So, yeah, pretty much the whole IDW run of Transformers comics has yeah, been really the good. The current run they got going now, I love it. Yeah. I can't, um, can't get better than that. That's, um, that's really good. Not as big on the artwork. I like the artwork, I just don't like how they've done the faces of the Transformers. To look the more movie like. They look more like the movie, and yeah. I'm not a big fan of the movie look of the faces, but it's still great artwork. It's still yeah, really it cool. Works, so. it works, yeah. All right, well, uh, we've already wasted enough time, so, and we have a lot to get over. To yeah, go we over. should start the list. Yeah, so let's. Uh, we'll start the list. Without further ado. Yeah, so remember last time we did. Number 50 through 26, and if you want to know who was on that list, go back and listen to that episode. No, we're not doing a recap. recap? We're not doing a recap. No recaps? No recap, because I don't need you getting pissed about C-3PO again. I would get irate about that. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so uh, Chuck, since you started us off last time, why don't you start us off this time as well? All right, starting off at number 25 for G.I. Joe, uh, I put Wild Bill. Ah, I love Wild Bill. Wild Bill is a Texan cowboy kind of guy. Originally released in 1983 with the... Uh, Dragonfly Helicopter, he was a helicopter pilot. Really popular character in the comic books and cartoons. So he comes with the uh, cowboy hat on, mustache, six shooters, basic cowboy and G.I. Joe. If you're looking to get him with the Dragonfly Helicopter, men in box, you know, 550 to $600, that's going to run you. But you can pick it up way cheaper than that out of the box. And just the figure itself, you know, 6 to $10. And to show a connection, uh, of, at least in my mind, of Wild Bill, what Wild Bill meant to me, I always vision Wild Bill being like Han Solo when he came in on the Millennium Falcon to save Luke at the end of New Hope. Yeah. Where it was just that wild, like, yee-hoo! Always like, the yeah. He's got his sunglasses on and his cowboy Yeah, hat. and that's the image I have of Really, Wild really Bill. cool character. So. All right, number 25 for me was uh, Ulick Keldroma. 
Uh, you're going to find, I know I complained about it last time we did this list, but you're going to find I even have more messed up names in this time than I did last time. So it, it's, I find it hard to believe. No, it's it's true. So um, I get Wild Bill. <laughs> so so his first appearance, Eula Caldroma's first appearance was uh, Dark Horse Comics Insider number 15. Now his first appearance of an actual issue was Tales of the Jedi number 1. But they did put a preview of that issue in Dark Horse Comics Insider number 15, so that's kind of his real first appearance. He, the 4,000-year-old tale of Eula Keldrama first came to light in the text pages at the end of the fifth issue of Dark Empire Limited comic series. As Leia Organis Solo uncovers the history of the Jedi holocron, she learns of Eulich. The holocron speaks of Eulich's scourge on the Republic and the Jedi. In effect, the storylines of most of the Tales of the Jedi comic series are detailed in a few paragraphs and would later be fleshed out in the issues of the actual Tales of the Jedi. When the first two story arcs of the Tales of the Jedi series were adapted into a full-cast audio dramatization, the part of Eulich Caldroma was played by actor David Scott Gordon and later by John Sigan in the Dark Lords of the Sith audio dramatization. Uh, as a young man, Eulich was pure of heart and purpose. Some called him arrogant, but others uh, said he was possessed of an unbounded confidence. Those in the higher echelons of Alderanian society scoffed at Eulich's endless ambitions and constant successes. And if you remember from last time, when I was talking about Nomi Sunrider, she had a romance thing going on with, with Eulich, and then he turned to the dark side. He eventually killed his brother Kay, uh, which caused Nomi to, to take his Force abilities away. And then he eventually did repent and found peace in his life, uh, only to eventually be killed following the acts of protecting some other people. So... Uh, there's not a figure of him yet, yeah. although I did see online that there was supposed to be a figure. This I think it was supposed to be this fall of Eulet Keldroma and Exar Kun together in a comic two pack, but I haven't seen it. It's not on eBay. No one's selling it, right? So I'm thinking it hasn't been released yet, but it's probably coming soon. Yeah, there's a lot of new toy news out with the toy fairs going yep. on in uh, February, mid February. So yeah. That's probably when you're going to get it if it's a brand new toy. Hasbro probably just hasn't released images yet. Yeah. Well, I've seen an image of it. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, there is images out of it, but right. it just hasn't been actually released to the stores yet from what I could tell. Okay. Number 24, uh, G.I. Joe, we have uh, Snow Job, which is a uh, 1983 release. He's the Arctic Trooper. He's the uh, guy all dressed in white, the red beard. Sometimes with that kind of figure, going to get a little yellowing over the years, mm-hmm. you know, on the figure. So Years yellow. Your snow job yellow? My snow job yellow. yellow <laughs> snow. I have actually two snow job figures. One is white and one does have some yellowing on them. I picked them up at a flea market for a couple of bucks a piece. So obviously the one that's uh, all the white was a little bit more than all the yellow one. But eh, for two bucks I got it. So it's pretty nice. And he's pretty much used in the earlier G.I. Joe cartoons. Somewhat in the comic books here and there. But if you're looking to get them, you know, mint on card, 125 to 145 loose. It says here in good condition with all the accessories, 15 to 20 bucks. And it was pretty cool because he actually came with skis, ski poles, right. backpack, the yeah. rifle. And, and a little side note, his rifle as a figure was a replica of the real rifles used in the cartoons. Oh. That generic looking stock right. rifle. Yeah. He actually came with that. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so that was pretty cool. Probably the one of the most poorly named G.I. Joe character. <laughs> Snow Job? Snow Job, yes. Well, they, they give him a little credit on that on his file card where he was always trying to lie and buffalo people. and Just sounds sexual of some t- sort. It was just... Snow job? That's, yeah, the girl's giving you a snow job. I don't know. That's that's a different kind of job. Yeah, that's a different kind of job. But uh, maybe we'll do that sometimes as a top five, like the most poorly named characters of the 
the, the greatest, the greatest job. No, not the greatest <laughs> job. Just the most poorly named characters in different connotations of those. All right, number twenty-four, uh, Cade Skywalker. Okay. Uh, his first appearance is Legacy, Star Wars Legacy comic number zero. Uh, in early iterations of the Star Wars script, the character that became Luke Skywalker first had the name Kane. However, the name Cade also suggests Lat- uh, Latin, you're going to learn right. a little bit of language here, of Kaderi, which means to fall. I took two years of Latin. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Uh. <laughs> I'm going to mess this language up. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> well, it's dead. But, Don't worry about it. It's but, dead language. Nobody speaks it. I like the way that it means to fall, though. Right. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Uh, this is the linguistic root of the English word chance and also of cadence, meaning a rhythm like a marching band. Sure. While a music uh, cadenza, the Italian form of cadence, is also specifically a solo. Well, he is a solo character in that right. comic, so well, for the most part. But he's not Han Solo. No, he's not Han Solo. Uh, a Cade can also be an abandoned young animal raised as a pet, which seems likely as Cade was abandoned by a Jedi. Right. Uh, human male bounty hunter, smuggler, and pirate. He's kind of a combination between Luke and, and Han. Han. Yeah. yeah. That's why I like him. Yeah. In his youth, uh, he was a Jedi Padawan of Wolf Sazen. He was the son of Master Cole Skywalker and Nina Calixta, who's also known as Morgan Cord. He's a direct descendant of Luke and Anakin Skywalker. And right. it, uh, so he, I, I assume based on when it took place, because he was born 116 years after the Battle of Yavin, he's probably like a great-grandchild, maybe something like that. Something like that, yeah. So, uh, he has the bloodline. Yeah, he was raised by his father on Osis. Cade uh, turned his back on his heritage after being traumatized by watching his father's death at the hand of a Sith. He eventually became a pirate and bounty hunter. After his existence, he found some unique Force abilities. Darth Crate uh, wanted to actually utilize those unique force abilities because they were definitely dark side type abilities. Cade became willing to do whatever it took to ensure he was left alone. Thousands of years before Cade Skywalker's birth, he appeared in a vision to the Jedi Master Kenelia. Yeah. So remember her from Knights of the Old Republic. Right. So that's really all I'm going to say about Cade this time because we are going to be covering the Legacy comics. Then you'll find more about him. So right? you'll yeah. find a lot more about him then. So Okay. Number 23, uh, one of the more popular G.I. Joe characters, I have Lady J. Oh, yeah. I love Lady J. Yeah, I would have had her a little higher on the list, except for when the figure was released, it looked nothing like the cartoon gotcha. version. And or, you don't like brunettes. Well, I love brunettes, I oh. guess. Yeah. You're married to one. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, she was blonde brunette, so she goes back and they forth. Change, and yeah. They change, They change. But yeah, Lady J, um, as a character on a figure, she had a hat on. And in the cartoon, there was no hat, no mention of a hat, no nothing. I noticed, and sometimes in the comic book, there was a hat. It's a little discrepancy there. But yeah, uh, originally released as a figure in 85. She was a covert operations, but she really wasn't used much for that, for okay. covert operations, which I don't understand. That's what her title is. Whatever. Maybe she just like was a tactician and told people what to do. Here's how you sneak into covert. It's a, yeah. It's pretty much just Flint's girlfriend. Yeah, that's fine. Pretty much, yeah. Uh, if you're looking to get her men on cards, sixty to seventy-five bucks, loose twelve to fifteen dollars. In the Devil's Due run of GI Joe, she was killed. Oh, and Flint went, you know, not a fan really, of that. really sad, and was a drunken alcoholic. Sweet, kind of like the uh, like Tony drunk. Stark yeah, kind of guy. I, I like drunk Flint, or like Rom Cota from last time. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. All right, my number twenty-three is uh, Zane Carrick Zane? Uh, from yeah. Knights of the Old Republic. Not going to go into huge detail, but do want to give a little bit of background that wasn't given when we were covering his story. I remember what I want to say about Lady J. Oh, okay. I didn't mean to interrupt you there. But no, that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. I'll just do it again. 
All right. <laughs> Lady J, when I was looking at, uh, I looked something up and found it was interesting. In the whole cartoon, Sunbow G.I. Joe, she was the character that had the most lines. Oh. It wasn't, you know, the main characters. Right. Like, you know, Duke, Cobra Commander, or, you know, any of those guys. It was Lady J. That was almost worth interrupting me. Just about. Almost. Just about. <laughs> Continue, please. <laughs> no, I like that fact. That's kind of a neat, neat little fact there. All right, uh, so Zane first appeared in Knights of the Old Republic comic, number zero. A quote from John Jackson Miller, who is the creator of Knights of the Old Republic, said, We've been accustomed in the past to seeing the best of the best when it comes to the Jedi, the ones who blew the curve for the other kids. Zane is the other kid. Right. As artist Dustin Weaver said on the official Dark Horse Comics forums, he based his the appearance of Zane on a young Christian Slater. Really? Yeah. Wow. And now that I look at him, I'm like, yeah, I can see that now. Okay. Yeah. Someone's um, got a thing for Christian Slater. Hey, I like Christian Slater. Wow. I don't, not like that. Keep but, going. But uh, watch The Forgotten. That's a good show with him on it. It's oh, actually, I haven't seen done it. Done by Jerry Bruckheimer. Uh, it's a very good show. I actually really enjoy it. Zane's lightsaber color is based on the fact that, according to creator uh, John Jackson Miller, that his needed to be different from the Jedi Covenant sabers, but also relating to his childhood where the Luke Skywalker action figure bore a yellow lightsaber. So he based... The fact that he gave Zane a yellow lightsaber based on the original Luke Skywalker had a yellow yeah. lightsaber, which I totally forgot about. Yeah, it was inside his hand. Yeah, yeah, I remembered that part, but I just didn't remember that it was yellow. I don't know what the hell they were thinking when they did that. I don't but, know. Yeah. According to Dark Horse editor Freddie Linz, Zane is not related to the Skywalkers. So I guess there was a rumor out there that maybe yeah. he was related to the Skywalkers. No? He's, he's not. Hmm. So, all right, that's all. Okay. Number 22. I oh, and no, I'm sorry, no figure no of, figure of Zane. No figure yeah. of Zane. So now I interrupted you, so go ahead. You feel better? Yeah, feel All a lot right. better now. All right. You over it? Yep. All right. Maybe. Moving along. Maybe. Number 22, I have the uh, the Bats, the Battle Android Troopers. Oh. Love the Bats. One of my favorites. Uh, 1986 uh, release on those, Cobra Battle Android Troopers. Um, they're great because they're just robots mm-hmm. created by, uh, I believe, Dr. Mindbender. Yep. To Last I replace, checked. Yeah, to replace the <laughs> Cobra soldiers, because they don't need any programming, any food. They just go out and fight and kill. And even when they're shot up, they still crawl at you. Yep. So they were really cool. Like zombies. Yeah, kind of like the Cobra zombies of the legions there. Except that they bite you, you don't turn into a bat. No mouth. Be cool if you did. Like a vampire bat? No, like like, like another one of bat. them. Like another one of them. Oh, like a robot? Yeah, a band of android trooper. If you're bit by a robot, it turned into a robot? Yeah, it'd be awesome. <laughs> okay. You can, uh, but yeah, you can, you can turn it into C-3PO. That would be awesome. No. <laughs> I would stop doing a podcast with you. That podcast would improve if I was C-3PO. I, I beg to differ. <laughs> so anyways, go ahead. Sorry. That's all right. But now, yeah, now, I feel, now I feel Now you feel vindicated? Yes, now I feel okay. vindicated. All right, cool. Yeah, if you're looking to pick up a bat, a uh, trooper, you know, carded, 60 you know, 8 to $80 just because they're troop builders, most people collect more than one sure. of them. Uh, if you want them loose, they're still kind of pricey loose, 20 to 25 bucks, because they're troop builders, people like them. And a lot of times, a little, they had a little sticker, hologram sticker on the mm-hmm. inside, that would kind of fall off, so you want the one with the sticker on it, obviously. Yeah. And try to find the attachments for it, because he had a hand attachment, right. a claw, claw. flamethrower. So you get try to get the most attachments you can if you're yeah. looking for one. Yeah, I, I remember because all the attachments went into a backpack. Yeah, they fit in their backpacks on yeah. the back, yeah. Yeah, love them. Number 22, uh, Chuck might be kind of mad about this one. Oh, Lord, here uh, we go. Emperor Palpatine. Oh, my God. No, number 22. 22? Yes, 22. That low? Yeah. Uh, 
Are there other characters in Star Wars that I don't know about that made it above the Emperor? Probably. Probably. The supreme Sith of all time? Yeah. Wow. So anyways, first appearance is Empire Strikes Back. Okay, yeah. But he's first mentioned in A New Hope. Yeah. Because remember, he's like the Emperor, Darth Vader's talking about the Emperor. The Emperor, yeah. He's also known as Darth Sidious. Right. Uh, early draft scripts of Star Wars identified the Emperor as Cost Deshit. <laughs> he's the shit. He's the shit. He should be higher on your list, because yeah. he's the shit. He's the shit. Uh, he, he ruled the Imperial throne world uh, of Alderaan in the original takes on him. Uh, obviously that changed, because he right. ended up blowing up Alderaan. Right, yeah. <laughs> the Emperor first appeared in the film of Empire Strikes Back. He was played by an old woman. Really? Yeah, I didn't realize this either. Uh, old woman wearing prosthetic makeup with chimpanzee eyes superimposed in post-production into darkened eye sockets in order to create a truly unsettling image. I don't believe a fucking word of that. <laughs> either, but... That's the, I, I know in the the when they redid everything, yeah. they put Ian McDermott in okay. there. All right, but in the original version, it was an old woman. I gotta go back and with look chim, at that now. with chimpanzee eyes. Chip, so. chimp eyes. I, I gotta love, go back and look at that now. Yeah, I do too. Because that it all, I almost turned it on <laughs> just for that part of it. So, wow, uh, <laughs> that's disturbing. <Yeah. laughs> Uh, no one is quite sure how Palpatine was first introduced to the power of the dark side or how he came to be Darth Plagueis's uh, apprentice. He's the most powerful practitioner of the Sith way yeah, in modern times. Uh, he studied the ancient <gasps> ruins of the, on the uh, Sith mausoleum world of Korriban. He unlocked secrets of the Force from a captured Jedi holocron. To counter the dark side's consumption, Palpatine turned to a bizarre combination of technology and Sith magic. He used Spartai cloning cylinders to create younger bodies because he was so powerful in the Sith ways that it was destroying his body. Nice. Uh, he eventually was destroyed. He did. Uh, Darth Vader threw him over the railing. Sure. But then he he knew how to transfer his body using the Sith into the clones. Right. So in the Timothy Zahn trilogy, you hear about the cloning facilities and everything else, and then they go into Dark Empire, which was the Kevin J. Anderson comic book done by Dark Horse, where you actually see the Emperor return as one of the clones. Nice. So, yeah, but he ends up still being killed. He's such a badass, you can't kill him. No, he, he, he was so bad that he had to die. But, yeah, he eventually was wow. taken down by uh, Luke and Leia combined, so... Of course. Yeah, So and obviously plenty of figures of him. There's yeah. some Force Unleashed statues of him. There's actually a couple of Force Unleashed statues, so... So that's uh, Emperor Palpatine. Chancellor Palpatine. Yeah, Chancellor Palpatine, Emperor Palpatine. He almost, a little side note, he almost didn't make my list. Wow. Uh, as Chuck well knows. Because I just created my top 50 characters, and I just wrote them all down. I didn't have them on my list. And then I cried extreme bullshit. Well, you got to have them on. I ended up realizing he wasn't on my list, and realized because of his importance I could make him 22. <laughs> Should have been higher. All right, whatever. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> All right, number 21, uh, one of Ryan's favorite characters, Embracing the Suck, here we have Beachhead. Ah, oh, I love Beachhead. Uh, released in 1986, he's the G.I. Joe Ranger. Kind of like the replacement for Stalker yeah. as the Ranger on the team. Beachhead had the uh, the mask on, so yep. you can't really see his face as a character. Ski mask, like Ski he's going to rob you. Right. Later on, they did give him a release in the 25th anniversary comic pack without the mask. Oh, okay. So you see what his face looks like. Did Just not, a regular looking dude. Did not know that. Uh, yeah. Mint on card, 85 to 100 bucks, lose 10 to 14. Beachhead was like one of the guys, 
in the cartoon, it was always trying to boss everybody and push everybody around. And I remember in the movie, there was a thing that Flint kind of combated back at him and said, uh, you know, Beachhead, you're not number one in G.I. Joe. It's first it's Hawk, then it's Duke, then I'm in command, and then you. So, uh, and Still, number four is not too four, bad. Yeah. yeah, Still not too bad. So I guess he's number four ranking-wise. Yeah. But military ranking, I mean, that kind of goes out the window with G.I. Joe because Duke's only a first sergeant. So. Right. Well, whatever. Exactly. Yeah, could you imagine getting uh, Beachhead and Stalker together? Yeah. They, they would be... You'd team. put them together as a team. They're both Rangers, uh, Green Berets. Kick so. some serious ass. Yeah. Definitely. So, all right. Uh, number twenty-one, the Secret Apprentice, also known as Star Killer, goes by codename Star Killer. This is from the video game Star Wars: The Force Unleashed. All right, stop, stop. <laughs> you have a video game character above Emperor Palpatine. Yep, because he kicks Emperor Palpatine's ass. Jesus in that game. fucking Christ! No way. He does. I don't care. So, anyways, uh, he has a lot of importance. Starkiller was co- uh, the code name of Darth Vader's secret apprentice, powerful primal force wielder. Uh, he was the sec- again secret apprentice of Darth Vader. He didn't want the he wanted to use him to take down the Emperor. Vader discovered the secret apprentice on the Wookiee world of Kashyyyk uh, when he was just a boy named Galen Merrick. So they actually did give him a name, which I wasn't aware of at first. Uh, Merrick's parents were both Jedi who took part in the Clone Wars during the conflict. They fell in love and secretly married. When Galen's mother learned she was pregnant, her and her husband quietly left the Order, hoping to raise their child in peace on the Outer Rim. Galen's parents relocated to Kashyyyk. They befriended the Wookiees there. And then Galen's mother was killed a few years later while trying to protect a group of Wookiees from slavers. Galen's father, Kento, died soon after when he's trying to pre- protect the boy from Darth Vader, who realized what he had. He ended up uh, really tricking the secret apprentice. When the Emperor found out about it, he was like, oh, well, no, let me take him out for you. And he turned on the secret apprentice, so then the secret apprentice eventually turned on Vader and the Emperor. He was responsible for uh, helping to bring the Rebel Alliance together, so that's big. Him and Ramkota. Here's the really big thing. And what probably moved him up a bit on my list, uh, besides something. besides just being a great character and everything else, his family's crest became the rebel symbol. Oh, okay. That help a little bit? Not much. But Not much. It okay. Explains a little bit. They uh, they it's actually not the Dark Lord of the Sith or nothing. They actually found his found his family's crest in on Kashyyyk, and that became the symbol for the rebellion, which is the symbol everyone knows and loves and everything. Right. So all right. So that was symbol. that was Star Killer. All right, number 20 for G.I. Joe, I have uh, Blowtorch. Okay. Which was the team's uh, flamethrower. Uh, 1984 release, dressed in red and yellow in a fire suit. Blowtorch was really not very... It was a character that was not very much used, but should have been. He had a lot of potential there. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. Really cool gear, carrying a flamethrower you know, on his back, and he burned stuff down. Him and Barbecue worked together all the time. Well, he would start the fire and barbecue would probably... That's what I'm saying, yeah. They had to work together. Well, yeah, or let let it burn, you know, what the hell. You know. But, yeah, I always loved him as a character because he was really cool looking. He had a lot of accessories. He had the helmet on, the mask, the oxygen mask fit into the chest plate, kind of clipped right in there. They did a 25th anniversary release of the figure, which was really cool, an updated version of him. Yeah. Not very much used in the cartoon and comics, that's why he's only number 20. I was going to say, I'm kind of surprised he's even that high just because of that, but... Uh, <laughs> he's one of my favorites, that's why I kind of pushed him up a little yeah. bit more for me. And you give me shit for putting my favorites <laughs> higher because they're my favorites. I'm not putting... It's <laughs> blowtorch, alright? It's it's not like it's a vital character cog here. 
But if you're looking to pick them up on card, you know, 105 to 140 dollars, loose with the accessories, eight to ten. But it's just so much potential there for that character. If someone took it and ran with the new comic books that they're doing right mm-hmm. now and put him in there, oh yeah, that would be great. It would be. I hear. All right. Oh, and uh, the Secret Apprentice did have figures. In fact, there was a three-pack of him, oh, okay. uh, what he looked like in the the game and then how he would look if he turned dark side or how he would look if he turned light side. So, uh, Number 20, uh, Mara Jade Skywalker. Okay. Luke's wife. Right, another Skywalker. Yeah. First appearance is Heir to the Empire by Timothy Zahn. And, and this is kind of interesting. She's my number 20. And I didn't know this before I put her in this space. I just put her in number 20. But in the 1998 survey... The Star Wars Insider magazine yeah. uh, asked readers to name their favorite Star Wars characters, just of anything. Sure. Mara Jade was the only expanded universe character to break the top 20 oh. to show that her popularity, and she broke my top 20, so yeah. surprise, surprise. Though starting off only in print, Mara has since appeared in a wide variety of media. Dark Horse has featured Mara in a number of comic stories, uh, most notably the Thrawn trilogy and her own miniseries. Uh, by the Emperor's Hand, which is actually a pretty good series. Hasbro crafted an action figure of Mara Jade, part of the Expanded Universe subset. Uh, she also stars in the Mysteries of the Sith expansion to LucasArts' Jedi Knight Dark Forces 2, which is a video game. One of the most remarkable incarnations of Mara was a live-action photo taken for the enhanced Jabba's Palace expansion set for the Star Wars customizable card game. Nice. Uh, the reason why they had her in that scene is because originally she was sent on a mission to kill Luke Skywalker because the Emperor felt that Darth Vader was getting too close to Luke. Right. And that was going to cause problems. The whole father-son thing. Right. So this was his secret apprentice, surprise, surprise, with the right. last secret apprentice, exactly. that he sent out to take out Luke Skywalker. Well, originally she disguised herself as a dancer in Jabba's Palace because she knew Luke was going to go there to rescue Han Solo. Okay. She never got a chance to get close enough to kill him. She was refused by Jabba to go out on the sail barge when they were going out to do the execution because she yeah. wanted to ensure that Luke was going to die. die. yeah. Probably good for her sake that yeah, she didn't. Yeah, so. she did it, yeah. <laughs> right. She obviously knows the Force. She was very skilled. Uh, she, eventually she... Hooked up with Talon Card, who I mentioned last episode. Uh, then she was forced to survive out in the wilderness of Merker with Luke. They had to call a truce so they could survive together. She started to gain respect for him. Eventually, she did fall in love with him. They had a son named Ben. Yeah. Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan. Uh, I mean, that wasn't Obi-Wan, that, but yeah, that, well, yeah, that's what they named, named him after. after right. But she did eventually die because she was actually killed by Jason Solo. Wow. Which was Han's... And Leia's kid. Yeah, so, yeah. as she died, Mara railed against Jason, claiming that his transgression to the dark side and adoption of Sith methods meant he uh, was as evil as Palpatine had once been. Now, so, the, the, some of the readers or listeners may be uh, wondering, it was forbidden for the Jedi to, right. you know, marry, to marry and and everything. Yeah. Right. When, when did that change for them? Well, basically once they were all killed by Order 66. Okay. So when Luke was the last one... Luke was the last one, he made, made, up his own rules. made up his own rules, basically. Well, he didn't know what the rules were. Like It's not like Obi-Wan said, look, I'm going to teach you the Force, but don't fall in love with anyone yeah. while I'm doing this. Yeah, we're like priests. We don't mess around with chicks. Yeah, and actually before, like in the past, Jedi were allowed to marry also. 
And I'm not 100% sure when that changed where they weren't allowed to okay, have those it, ties. Because I remember in the movie, Anakin and uh, Padme. Padme had to keep it kind of right. quiet and hush-hush. But if you read some of the Tales of the Jedi stories, some of those people hooked up, like Nomi and Yulik and everything okay. else. So it was okay in the past, and then all of a sudden it wasn't okay, and then it was okay again. I, I need to look up to see maybe when some that continuity. changed. Yeah. Or Yeah, I'm sure there was a reason why it changed. I know the reason why it changed later was because Luke was the last, last the one last and he one didn't left, know yeah. about it. So so that was the case. So that was uh, that was Mara Jade. Alright. Number 19 uh, for G.I. Joe, we have the Crimson Guard Commanders, Tomax and Zaymon. Okay. Some people may be crying foul on this one because I put two players in here, two you know characters in here. Well, but, I told you you should, but you know. <laughs> yeah, it made, it made uh, an interesting... Uh, and it, it's sold together. They're sold together as a two-pack yeah. of and how do you tell them apart, really? Well, there's one scar on Zaymot's face. Well, really. I mean, other than that, I mean, like yeah. it's not like you ever saw anything, almost anything, with just one of them and not the other one. Yeah, I mean, there might have been one cartoon where one was captured, where Tomax was captured, and Zaymot had to rescue him. But Tomax was always getting captured for the most part. They they were together, and they you know yeah. the uh, head of Extended Enterprises in the cartoon released in 1985, and again, Zaymot's the fellow with the scar on his face. Crimson Guard Commander, if you're looking to get the two-pack of them together, 85 to $125, uh, loose, 10 to 12 a figure. Really cool figures, uh, the twins. They were used a lot in the comic books, a lot in the cartoons Cartoon, because yeah. of the extent of enterprises. They, would always they were finish, businessmen. They would always finish each other's sentences. Exactly, and, exactly. Yeah. So pretty high on the list at number 19 with uh, yeah. Tomax and Zayman. And the, uh, the Cobra issues, uh, G.I. Joe Cobra issues I mentioned earlier, has a nice reveal with Tomax and Zaymont in it. Right. Uh, and then there was a special... A special issue. That special issue that followed up later. And if you're a big Tomax Zaymont fan and you read the Cobra miniseries... Yeah, you, you want yourself to buy that one. You should buy that one-shot issue because it was a really good story and it yeah. shows kind of the difference between the two characters. So, All right, number 19, the Jawas. Above Emperor Palpatine. I like the Jawas. I don't, again, I just like... Wow. I like these little shit characters. I, just, I guess. Yeah, so... Um, anyways, Jawas. yeah, that's right, Jawas. They're the uh, seagulls of Star Wars. Yeah. The scavengers. Well, you're going to find out how disgusting they really were. Do tell. So, all right, so first appearance was obviously a New Hope film. And again, I mentioned it last, epi- last episode that we did this, but I know the books came out before the movies, and I know the books came out before the games and all that type of stuff, but these those books were made because the movies were going to be made, or the games were going to be made, so that's why I go with the movies instead of the books. The Jawas, uh, seen in New Hope, were played by both little people and children. Right. Uh, the Jawa chief was played by the late Jack Purvis, who had numerous roles in the classic trilogy. He manipulated the giant praying mantis puppet, barely glimpsed in the most icely cantina, and played Uglast, <laughs> the chief Ugnat, Ugnat yeah. in uh, Empire Strikes Back. And for Return of the Jedi, Purvis played the Ewok warrior Tebow. Oh, so he had multiple roles. Yeah. According to Stephen Sansweet's book, Star Wars, From Concept to Screen to Collectible, the Jawas were the center- centerpiece in one of the strangest copyright infringement cases involving Star Wars. Really? Yeah. Uh, in 1978, small hooded creatures with glowing eyes began accompanying rocker Neil Young on stage <laughs> during a concert tour uh, in a tour film and on the cover of the album Rest Never Sleeps. The case was settled out of court. Uh, as a nod to the odd incident, a UK Star Wars comic story having nothing to do with the Jawas and starring C3PO and R2D2 also bore the title Rust Never Sleeps. Nice. Shortly, let's see, it was. Uh, eventually reprinted as an issue of classic Star Wars Devil Worlds by Dark Horse Comics. 
I bet Lucas sued the pants off of Neil Young. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, actually, Neil Young was the one saying he did it first. He lied. Okay. That's, that's George's <laughs> stuff. Few have ever seen the ugliness that lies beneath the Jawa mask. I didn't realize they were ugly beneath that mask. I didn't either. I just, I don't know. Uh, Jawa faces are obscured by a cloud of insects. Ew. Yeah, I told you it was disgusting. <laughs> that gather in the recesses of their hoods. That's uh, attracted by their foul odors. Ah, so they stink too. <laughs> yeah, their particular stench is a combination of poor hygiene and a mysterious solution to which Jawa Jawas dip their clothes. Which solution? Mysterious solution. The Jawas dip their clothes to retain moisture. So they use this moisture that stinks, but then they also don't have good hygiene. So, right. uh, to Jawas, the odor is packed with information about each other, such as clan lineage, health, emotional state, even the last meal they ate. Gross. <laughs> Jawas have evolved uh, several important survival traits, such as exceptional night vision, you know, they get glowing eyes, a strong immune system, they'd have to have they'd one, have to have one yeah. <laughs> and an efficient digestive system that draws all needed nutrients from the Jawas staple diet of hubba gourd, some type of gourd that they eat. Yeah. So, but yeah, so my wife, when she went to the store, pick up some hubba gourd. Yeah. So, so I, I love these little buggers, and that's why they made number 19. Until I read that they have bugs all over their face. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty fucking disgusting right there. All right, so you're, all right, yeah. you want to go ahead number 18? <laughs> wow. I really can't top that. But uh, number 18 for the list of G.I. Joes, we have uh, the Cobra Saboteur Firefly. Oh, yeah. One of your personal favorites. Absolutely. It was a 1984 release. And, uh, again, he's the saboteur of the team, so uh, Cobra Commander would send him out to... Uh, Sabotage the Joes and their missions and their headquarters. Hence the saboteur. Hence the name, right? Right. If you're looking to pick him up, he's one of the more popular characters just because he kind of resembles Storm Shadow, and a lot of people thought he was a ninja. I thought he was a ninja. Most kids did. When I was a kid, I thought he was a ninja, and then I I got him, and then I was like, awesome, he's a ninja. Then I found out, no, he's not. He's a demolitions guy that sabotages stuff. And then I was like, well, that's even cooler. That's even better, yeah. (laughs) He's like, pretend he's a ninja, but he's going to blow it up. sneak in like a ninja, but then he's going to blow it all up. Yeah. So. So if you're looking to pick him up, man, on card three seventy five to six hundred, very very pricey figure because he's kind of well wanted. Uh, loose twenty five to thirty eight dollars, so he's you know in that thirty to forty dollar range of a character. He would have been higher on the list because I really like this character, but again, in the cartoon, seldomly used. Okay. He's like like I feel Scrap Iron, Scrap Iron, a Firefly. Yeah. Should have had a more predominant role in the cartoon. I would have used him more. I would have used both of those characters. They have great back, you know. You could have, you could have, have done so backs. much. They, yeah, yeah. They have great backs. Scratch him, Harry. Okay. <laughs> good, wow. Good back. <laughs> yeah, here it goes. Uh, you could have really dug really far into both of those characters and pulled more out than they did. I, I don't know why they didn't, but probably because they were released in '84 and they moved on '85 and got okay. more involved with those characters. But yeah, Firefly is just one of those characters that shouldn't have, should have been used a lot more. Yeah. Hopefully they'll bring him into the series that's going on now. Yeah, they've, they've recently you know done a lot of things with him. I know they've brought him back for the 25th anniversary, and they gave him a whole new you know like demolitions pack for the uh, right. two pack they did with the comic books and stuff like that. So Very he's, cool. he's making a little bit of a comeback, but he needs to yeah. bring it back all the way. Very cool. Uh, number eighteen for me is Lando Calrissian. Oh, Jesus, I know you don't like the fact that he's so low, but you have all these predominantly really good characters. C three PO, the Emperor, and Lando. I like Lando, but he's a number eighteen for me. They're all number top fifteen characters. Okay, whatever. Least. These are Lando. my favorites. These aren't just like 
how important they are to the universe. It's how... Uh, Dude, it's Billy D. Williams. I know it's Billy D. Williams. Let me get to that part. <laughs> I, <laughs> he first appeared in Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. Uh, played by Billy D. Williams. Yeah. Mr. Colt 45. Smooth. That's right. First draft screenplays of Empire Strikes Back make mention of Lando Kadar, a refugee from the Clone Wars who now lives the life of an honest smuggler on Hoth. Lando's last name appeared in the second draft, as did the gas mine gamble that he won uh, as far in the Sabacc game. Okay. So, early incarnations of Lando described him as a slick riverboat gambler type. Right, right. One iteration even had Lando be a gambler who operated a general store on a Wookiee planet. Going to something that I hold near and dear to my heart, that role uh, actually became the part that Art Carney played as the traitor Son Dan in the Star Wars Holiday Special. Nice. Yeah, I hate the Holiday Special. Like, I thought, I thought there had to be something good out of it, so I watched it because I knew it was the first appearance of Boa Fett and all right. that. It, oh my god, it's so awful. So anyways. <laughs> Don't waste your time, huh? No. I wasted two hours watching that shit. Nice. Perhaps the strangest version of Lando had him be the leader of a clan of clones left over from the Clone Wars. Okay. And his world consisted entirely of clones scattered across 700 different countries, each with a distinct clan. As the story evolved, all the other clones were dropped, but Lando was still the product of cloning, part of the Shandi family who reproduced through that means. And then, obviously, they changed all that. Yeah, so, yeah, they changed it. Contrary to legend, Lando was not intended to have died at the end of Return of the Jedi. I guess there was thought that he was going to die at the end of Return oh, of the really? Jedi, and they decided not to. Yeah, and th- Well, and, and they said that they never intended for him to die. So, oh, yeah. Embarrassment may have played a role in him obtaining the Millennium Falcon, because he won in a Sabacc game and was offered the Millennium Falcon as payment, He took and he took it. Because he couldn't admit that he was a terrible pilot. Yeah. Uh, so he quickly hired a piloting, piloting droid uh, to teach him. Calrissian's life took a major turn when he won the administrator title of Cloud City. One of the interesting things about Cloud City was that you weren't really supposed to gamble unless you were a tourist there. Okay. So what Calrissian would do, because he liked to gamble, was he would dress up as a tourist to circumvent the law. Nice. He would gamble... But then it, he really just liked gambling. So it wasn't like he wanted to win any money. So what he would do is at the end of each night, he would make sure he lost it all. Oh, so give it back. So he'd give it back. So, so he's just an addict. Yeah, he was just an <laughs> addict, exactly. So Gambling addict. So that's uh, that's Lando Calrissian. Obviously, a lot of lot of figures made of Lando. A lot of figures, yeah. Uh, my personal favorite is the Return of the Jedi one where he's disguised for Jabba's uh, palace and everything else. As a bounty hunter. Yeah, well, as a guard. Good skip guard. Skip guard. So... Yeah. I uh, really like that look on him. Very cool character. So I like the Cloud City when he had the cape on. The yeah. That's oh, nice. Yeah. Pimp. The classic look. That's yeah. pimp. Yep. <laughs> uh, number 17, uh, G.I. Joe, we have uh, Dusty. Oh. Favorite character. Another favorite of mine. Uh, he's a Desert Trooper, released in 1985. Also had a character released of him as uh, part of the Tiger Force. Uh, we went over that earlier. Yep. So he, he was a character into that. Men on card one hundred five to one hundred forty, loose fifteen to twenty dollars with his accessories. Very, very popular with Dusty in some of the comic books as well as the cartoons. Uh, there was actually a two-part miniseries called, uh, I believe, Dusty the Trader, Trader or something like that, okay. where um, him and Duke figure out a plan because Dusty's having financial problems with his family. He comes to Duke and says that uh, Cobra's willing to, you know, give his family money and his mom money and stuff like that. But he needs to become a traitor and tell about G.I. Joe. 
So he goes and tells Duke all this stuff, and Duke and Sim come to an agreement, said, well, just do it, go in and gain Cobra's trust, and we can learn more about him and try to take him down. Duke ends up getting hurt and gets knocked into a coma. So to the rest of the Joes, it looks like he's a traitor, but he's really not. So they need Duke to come out of the coma to reveal all, and it all works out in the end, but very, very interesting uh, cartoon. Yeah. Two-part miniseries. Sounds good. And it's just, I think it's just got released on the G.I. Joe season 1.3 okay. of the new uh, Shout DVD release. Right. So that two parts on there. So I just picked that up at uh, Target, 20 bucks. I'm still waiting for them to finish that damn series because I've, I've got... You got the original one. I got yeah. the original one. Rhino I releases, that, yeah. I need them to get to season the end of season two <laughs> so I can start getting those again. Right. Number 17 for me, again, you're going to be mad, but... God, uh, Jesus. Princess Leia. <laughs> Do you have any of the core characters in the top ten? Yes. Any? Yes. Are you littered with fucking Ewoks in the top ten? No, no Ewoks. All right. Ewok, I can tell you for a fact Ewoks did not even make my top 50 at all. Wow, I thought Wicked would have made it. No, no. I lost him to my Rancor. That's why I thought he would have made it. <laughs> all right, Princess Leia first appeared Jeez. in New Hope. Uh, early drafts of Star Wars had Leia as a very young girl, a 14-year-old princess, uh, the same age Queen Amidala is in The Phantom Menace. Uh, in these early versions of Star Wars, Leia is the spoiled daughter of King Chaos and Queen Breha of Aquile. Jimmy Smith's? <laughs> right. Right. I got you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in subsequent drafts, Leia was said to be the daughter of Bale Antilles, and the name Organa was instead used for her peaceful homeworld Organa Major. Okay. Uh, later drafts obviously reshuffled those yeah, names. Yeah, changed that. Yeah. So she married Han Solo, uh, which happened in Dave Wolverton's The Courtship of Princess Leia, which is a pretty okay book. It's yeah, not, actually not great, but it's that's good. actually one of the ones I've actually. Well, I didn't read that book on tape, so okay, cheated on that one. Yeah, it, it's okay. It's it's worth it for that part of the story. And then in Timothy Zahn's Heir to the Empire, which is great, Leia's pregnant with twins, mm-hmm. and then she gives birth to Jaina and Jason in The Last Command. Her third child, Anakin, is established in the Dark Empire comic series. So Dark Empire, really big. Yeah, that's um, where a lot of the... Yeah, a lot of stuff happens there. So yeah. She does you know, learn a little bit of the Force. Uh, when she was growing up, she was taught self-defense and combat skills and how to use weapons. She eventually replaced Mon Mothma as head of the Republic Okay. when Mon Mothma stepped down. So, yeah, uh, obviously a lot of figures done of her. Sure. So uh, sure. I'm going to try to... Keep mine a little bit short because I, I know I have to defend myself near the end here. Yeah, so. Carrie Fisher, the most popular slave Leia. Oh, the, slave Leia is what moved her up a bit. So I mean, a little bit higher. Yeah, a little bit higher. She yeah. could have been maybe twenty five, but the wow, but twenty five. The slave Leia outfit uh, bumps her up considerably. So I think we'd bump her up the top. Hey, <laughs> it depends on if we're doing hotness list, then she goes number one. But you know, okay, yeah. I think you just pissed every geek off out there. That's fine. I'm, <laughs> I'm, this is my list. They can make their own. Yeah, so. yeah. Okay. All right, go ahead. Droid lover. <laughs> Whatever. No, I'm, I don't like C-3PO. I know. What the hell? What's let's, the let's not start that oh, again. Oh, my God. Right. Where do we leave off? 16? 16. 16. All right. <laughs> All right, lost my train of thought. Number 16 for the G.I. Joe, we have uh, Stalker. Which is the original Ranger, okay. as comparable to Beachhead. Yep. Uh, 1982 released with the Straight Arms, one of the original 13 G.I. Joes. Uh, 1983, they re-released them with the Swivel Arm Grips. A Ranger, Mint on Car, 225 to 310 excuse me. Loose, $14 to $16. He's a Green Beret. They did a little bit of him in the cartoon, and they did a little bit of him in the earlier cartoons, and in the comic book, but they're bringing him back. 
because he's now he's in the new G.I. Joe comic books. Okay. And if you watch G.I. Joe Resolute, he's a character in that. Right. So they updated him and give him a lot more. Because, again, much like Beachhead, with him being a ranger, there's so much you could do with that kind of character just because of the training and the background of right. it. Right. So I'm glad they're starting to bring him back because he was always one of my favorite characters. I'm very curious if uh, Lando came first or if Stalker came first. They Lando. Kinda, yeah, Lando Kerosene. Kind of looks similar. They have a similar look in their face and everything. The mustache and... Well, yeah, yeah. So. Maybe he was modeled after him. That's what I'm wondering. Yeah. Maybe. But I'm wondering which one would be modeled after... What, um, well, he was in, released in 82, so what year was Empire? Empire was 80, so... Yeah. 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 So maybe Stalker was... They saw Lando was a cool character, and they based Stalker off of him. I don't know. The look, at least. Yeah, it could have been. I don't know. Works for me. Yeah. I like them both. I like Stalker. I like Lando. All right, number 16 for me... Oh, were you done? Yeah, I'm done. Okay. 16 for me was Asharat Het, or also... Yeah, of course, above Princess Leia. Go ahead. Go also ahead. also goes by the name of Darth Krait. He has a long history in the Star Wars universe. That's Make me like him. One of the reasons... Okay. He was first... His first appearance was Star Wars Republic comic story arc Outlander, which ran from issues number 7 to number 12. Uh, Asharat Het was born uh, on the desert planet of Tatooine. He was the uh, son of famed ex-Jedi Knight Sharad Het. And he was Tuscan raised. Oh, okay. So he was a Tuscan Raider. So now you might like him a little bit more. I like the Tuscan Raiders. Sure. And I wanted them on my list. But again, kind of like the Crimson Guard or Crimson Royal Guard. Royal Guard, yeah. I want. I picked someone with a specific name for that. Okay. For this, I picked someone with a specific name that was a Tuscan so Raider. So this is just the, the Sand People. It's kind of like the Sand People, but he ends up playing a lot bigger role because okay. he was raised by the Sand People. He had, uh, based on their rituals, he had to slay a crate Dragon. Okay. Which lived there. Hence, later on, when he becomes a Sith in Legacy, which is hundreds of years later, he takes the name Darth Krait. And it wasn't revealed for a very long time, and I apologize because I'm going to be doing Legacy later, but yeah. it, was, it wasn't revealed for quite a while who Darth Krait was, but it was hinted that this is somebody you know. Oh, okay. If you've been reading the comics. Okay. So for a little while there, or reading Star Wars and keeping up with Star Wars. So it was hint, It was thought for a little while that maybe it was Jason Solo. Okay. Uh, something like that. But here it ended up, Darth Krait ended up being Asherad Het. Uh, so that was pretty cool uh, reveal there. He would eventually become a strong wielder of two lightsabers. So kind of whip those suckers around. Was it like the Grievous with multiple lightsabers, or like Darth Maul with double hilted? He had the double. He had the. Uh, it was kind of like Grievous with multiple lightsabers. Okay. So he had two. So it wasn't a double hilted lightsaber no. like Darth Maul. No, not at all. Let's see. When the revelation was made, editor Randy Stradley commented at the end of the issue. Uh, I know you're all excited because you finally know who Darth Krait really is. Sure, sure. Some of you even guessed. Give yourself a pat on the back. Uh, you still have to admit it was quite a reveal. Sure. Prior uh, to the Darth Who contest, many speculated that it was Jason. Okay. So, uh, just a very cool character. And they have figures of both him as Asherad Het, where you can actually take the Tuscan mask off of him. Mm-hmm. And he's got these tattoos on his face and everything okay. else. And as Darth Krait. Uh, and I don't think the mask comes off of Darth Krait, though. No. Okay. It would have been cool if it did. Yeah, that would have been so. awesome. All right, uh, number 15 for G.I. Joe, we have uh, Spirit, okay. which is the tracker, uh, released in 1984. Also had a release as one of Sergeant Slaughter's Slaughter's Marauders. Okay. Uh, a name we're hearing there. quite often. As a repaint of that, of, yeah. It's got a lot of marauders. Yeah, well, you need them. Eh. You need a marauding crew, a motley crew, so to speak of. Uh, he also came packaged with the uh, American Eagle uh, Freedom. Okay. Yep. Uh, looking to get him mint card 105 to 140 loose with Freedom the Eagle, 15 to 20 bucks. Better uh, than Polly. 
way better than Polly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Polly's the wuss of the universe. Yeah. We suck. Yeah, he hates. He hate Polly. Yep. But a lot of people really don't realize this in the cartoon. They think that Storm Shadow always fought Snake Eyes, but he didn't. That was in the comic books. In the cartoon, Storm Shadow fought Spirit. Oh, okay. There's never an episode of the cartoon, the original Sumbo cartoon, where Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow fight. Oh. I guess I never realized that. Yeah, a lot of people don't. It's always, he's fighting someone else, or majority of the time he's fighting Spirit. Okay. Which makes makes sense, because they, they, he's kind of like an Indian shaman. Right. I just thought that was a little nice uh, yeah. tidbit there. Yeah, I like that. Alright, number 15 for me is Grand Admiral Thrawn. His first appearance was Heir to the Empire novel by Timothy Zahn. Mm-hmm. He likened uh, developing strategies for Thrawn in playing a game of chess against himself. So that's kind of like his concept behind creating Thrawn. He'd play both the New Republic and the Imperial sides to match. Basically, well, let's see. Where the hell was his name at? <laughs> oh, the one you got to yeah. yeah. Hit, uh, Get ready for this, folks. It's yeah. a doozy. It's a doozy. You haven't even seen this. <laughs> uh, he's a chiss is his species. Okay. So that's not hard. Yeah, okay. C-H-I-S-S. Uh, his name is Mithranuruodo. Okay. Mithranuruodo. <laughs> Menudo. Right. Gotcha. <laughs> exactly. He's in the band Menudo. Which when he got older, he had to leave. Right. Uh, his tactics were controversial in their boldness as part of Menudo, evidently. Sure. Um, so he was actually exiled by his own people. Wow. And, uh, Much like Menudo, when you get too old, you get yeah. kicked out of the band. <laughs> and Emperor Palpatine came against him, or came against him, came across him, okay. and found him, and he realized that this guy was, this alien was a big, great tactical mind. Uh, he actually had defeated some of Palpatine's uh, uh, naval, Imperial naval with limited resources. Nice. He took him on, and actually Thrawn moved up through the ranks, which was unheard of by an alien species because it was kind of like an unspoken rule that you don't promote aliens. Right. They were alienists or something like that. Anti-alien. They were xenophobic. (laughs) Big word there for you. Yeah. But he actually moved up to Grand Admiral. He eventually, he would use the uh, culture's artwork Mm -hmm. to determine what, how they would fight their battles. Oh, wow. Which was very cool. And they did a really great job of that in the books. Uh, Timothy Zahn did. He did die at the end of it. So, spoiler, sorry. Yeah. Uh, but his his because his his problem was that he became very confident. Always overconfidence is a right. weakness. And his little faithful bodyguards, uh, a species called the Nogri, uh, were informed by Princess Leia that the Imperials actually never came and saved them, which is what they thought. They actually had kept kept them under their boot and here and showed proof of how they had been doing that. Oh. So his Thrawn's faithful Nogri bodyguard Rook a Ruck. Killed Admiral Thrawn with an assassin's blade. Wow. Uh, he does have a figure. Okay. He comes with an Isla Miri around his neck in a comic two comic pack. Comic two pack, yeah. He keeps that there to keep Jedi at bay. So Nice. Uh, very, very cool figure and, char- and character. Okay. Number 14 uh, for the list of G.I. Joes, we have uh, Major Blood. Ah. The Mercenary. Uh, original 1983. Mint on card for this guy is 190 to 230. Uh, loose eight to ten dollars. There was actually a mail away for Major Blood earlier before it was a release carded figure. It was one of the mail away kind of figures. Okay. And if you have a mailed away, you know, still in the little box that came in, fifty to one hundred fifty dollars. If you got them, you know, open that way with the little figure in the baggie, you're looking at forty to seventy five dollars. But Major Blood was uh, the Cobra mercenary. Mm-hmm. He always considered himself a poet. 
in the uh, comic books, uh, so he thought he could write poetry, but mm-hmm. he never really spouted off any. Because many of your great villains do poetry. Sure, why sure. not? Yeah. <laughs> but Major Blood, I always, I always liked Major Blood as a character, and if you remember the G.I. Joe Resolute, it kicks off by the Joes discovering the body of Major Blood dead. Yep, he's dead. He's dead. So. Yeah. Didn't really look, like look, that one, but somebody look, had to die. It was done well, though. I mean, and that's yeah. a character you wouldn't expect them to kill. Yeah, and they explain is, it very well with Cobra Commander explaining, yeah, that full blood had to die. Yeah. So. Very nice. My number 14 is the Stormtroopers. Okay. Uh, and this includes Snowtroopers, Biker Scouts, Clone Troopers, all of them. Uh, that's kind of why they're so high up is because just all the different variations are just amazing. My personal favorite is the Biker Scouts. I just like the look of them. I yeah. like the fact they ride the, ride the speeder bikes. Uh, their, the first appearance of Stormtroopers is obviously in A New Hope. Uh, the Stormtroopers can be traced uh, similar thematic origins as the faceless android police officers in Lucas's first film, THX 1138. The faceless ranks of the unending soldiers are meant to underscore the inhuman nature of the Empire. Okay. Uh, the original Stormtrooper design came from Ralph McQuarrie's illustrations. Costume designer John Molo, uh, or Moyo, I don't know if he's Spanish or not, took McQuarrie's concepts and puzzled together how the pieces would fit based on the knowledge of medieval armor. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, a lot of different versions out there again. Many different characters. Many yeah, different figures. many different figures. If you like the troop build, you're going to want a lot of them. Yeah, they're one of the more popular figures out there to two troop build. Yeah. And, People do with the clone armies now. Yeah. So those are huge now. And you know, one of my personal favorites of as far as the troop building side of it is the 501st Legion. Yeah. So very, very cool. So Yeah. Alright, number thirteen for G.I. Joe, we have uh Zartan. Oh yeah. Master of Disguise. Wow, I would have thought he would be higher. I was gonna make him a little I'm higher. I'm not gonna give you shit for it, but I'm <laughs> thinking he would have been higher. I was gonna make him a little higher, but uh in the in the in the cartoon, he kinda comes off as kind of silly and not so much uh True. Tactical, so that's kind of why he's at number 13. Didn't really crack the top 10, but he came close. Right. Uh, he did come with the Chameleon Swamp Skier, if you remember correctly, in the box. Uh, if you want to you know, try to get that, it's like 300 bucks. Uh, it was a 1984 release. He did change color in the sunlight, which was awesome as a kid. You know, mm-hmm. anything you could put in the sunlight, it turns blue. You know, that's, that's awesome. Uh, if you're looking to get the figure loose, the old school one, uh, 25 to $30. Like, before they've redone this one in the 25th style, I, right. I got you that figure there. Right, and we did the review on the We figure. did the review on him. Check it out. It's on Facebook, the photos yep. and the reviews on Facebook. As our website also. Yeah, it's it's a really great character. I just wish they would have done more with him than they did instead of making him kind of goofy with the dreadnoughts and stuff like that. More tactical would have probably pushed him up a little higher on the list. Yeah. Now in Rise of, the Co- Rise of Cobra, the movie... Yeah, that's that's kind of like how I like my Zard. Yeah, like that. he was a cool. He was probably the coolest character in that movie. Yeah, by far. Uh-huh. Yeah, and at the end of that movie, where they leave off with him being the president and personating the president, it kind of opens the door for a GI Joe number two, which yep. they've already said they're going to release and right. start to work on that. Now, one of the things that's funny with him as a figure that cracks me up is the <laughs> fact that. They did, when I was a kid, I remember when the figure came out and, like you said, it turns blue in the sunlight. Yeah. Like, they described that as his way of camouflaging. Right. Because, you know, turning blue, you don't notice a blue person standing there. Robs I mean, him of his... Well, the sunlight robs him of his camouflaging abilities. Oh, uh, okay. So. Uh, okay. So, I... I okay. A little bit back. Yeah, that one, yeah. I forgot about that. All right. All right. Number 13 for me. We're on 13, right? Right. All right. Uh, XR Kuhn. Okay. Uh, first appearance was Jedi Search Novel by Kevin J. Anderson. Uh, which I actually thought he appeared in Tales of the Jedi or something like that, but he actually first appeared there 
which took place many years after he actually was living. He appeared as like this apparition to uh, some of the Jedis in Luke's Jedi Academy and tried to turn them. And then they eventually got together and actually defeated him and dispelled him as a spirit. Mm-hmm. But originally he was, he was the very first character in Star Wars to wield a double blade many years before Darth Maul did. Wow. So okay. if you think Darth Maul was the first one, you're like, oh, that was awesome. Yeah, Exar Kun was the first one. Nice. He became a Dark Lord of the Sith. He actually went to the Masasi Temple to train himself, and that's where the original Dark Lords came from. And that Masasi Temple is actually the temple where the Battle of Yavin, the, the rebels launched for the Battle of Yavin. So when you saw that yeah. building, that's the Masasi Temple where Exar okay. spirit is was trapped in. And then later on, that's where Luke had his academy at. So then Exar Kun was uh, that he re- he was yeah, he, he re- was re- he was reawakened okay. years late, you know, centuries later because of these force wielders all nice. of a sudden appearing there. So a very cool character. They don't have a figure of him yet. I did mention with Eula Caldroma, he's supposed to be in that comic two pack. So that'll be nice to get. Yeah, very very cool. So, so. look out for that if you're yep. wanting to get a copy of that figure. Uh, number twelve for GI Joe, and the reason this figure here is number twelve and not pushed up a little higher, I'll explain. Okay, we have Flint. Oh. <laughs> I know your favorite. Is this because I did the C-3PO thing? Yes. No. (laughs) (laughs) No, released in 1985, Flynn is the Warrant Officer. Also had a release in Tiger Force as well. He should have been in the top ten. He almost made it to the top ten. Men on cards, $65 to $100. He's one of the more popular characters. Lose 10 to 12 bucks. And the reason he's only in number 12 and not in the top ten was he was just... The Lady J? Yeah. No. (laughs) He was pretty much just a Duke replacement. But he was a cooler version of Duke. I like Flynn, don't get me wrong. But he's just a Duke replacement. He's just another Duke. But he's a better Duke. I wouldn't say better. I would. I wouldn't say better. Cooler cooler costume. He might have a more military look than that, sure. I'll give you that. Yeah, I like... But also, with the release of Flynn in the comic books and the cartoon, his beret laid like a beret where in the figure it looked like a side of an avalanche coming down, sloping. They fixed that. They fixed it in the 25th release. Right. And they eventually replaced Duke saying Yojo at the beginning of the cartoon with Flint saying it. Yeah, the way the intro skin on the cartoon came off, it was... Well, well, they changed it all over to sell toys. Right. Which is pretty much how the Transformers did with uh, Optimus Prime dying in the movie sure. and Megatron dying. They replaced off all the old Autobots and Decepticons to bring in the new ones, which pretty much all those cartoons back in the 80s were commercials for the toys. Oh, sure. That was what was great about them. I know, I loved it. Um, and actually, the intro to our show... It's Flint saying yo, Joe. I, I noticed that. Not yeah. Duke, so... Yeah. Uh, little nod to you yeah. there. Well, Flint's my number one. So I know. I know. I know. All right, so number 12 for me is Bosk. Okay. The bounty hunter. Uh, yeah, he deserves to be able to Princess Leia, C-3PO, and the Emperor. Go ahead. Absolutely. <laughs> as my, bounty hunter as a, appeared like once. As a favorite, yes. Um, Whatever. Empire Strikes Back film is where he first appeared. Uh, actor Alan Harris portrayed the role of Bosk in Empire Strikes Back. The costume is an unaltered, high-altitude Windak pressure suit developed in 1962 by Baxter Woodhouse and Taylor Limited to fulfill British Royal Airfare, uh, Air Force requirements. Okay. Uh, He's wearing a British Air Force suit. Right. Nice. Well, that's what they used for his costume. It yeah. wasn't like that's what it was for the movie. I got you. <laughs> the character. They enhanced it. <laughs> it wasn't like, yeah, this... 
Trandoshan, which is a species, but this Trandoshan was fought in World War II. And <laughs> Picked it up on eBay. <laughs> right. Um, and they've actually used that same costume for a few different outfits in the Star Wars universe. He's a Trandoshan, as I mentioned. His species actually lives in the Kashyyyk system, and they are the mortal enemies of the Wookiees, because they... The Trandoshans like to just hunt. Okay. That's what they love doing. So they love to hunt the Wookiees because that's... Wookiees are gathered. That was the tougher kill to make. So he actually... Bosk actually reached a very high pinnacle in his in his in the Bounty Hunter Guild as well as with his people, but eventually he actually started kind of having a few failures, like, you know, getting on solo and all nice, that type yeah. of stuff. So he eventually became a bitter, grizzled old Trandoshan uh, that was unable to gen- regenerate. That's another thing Trandoshans were able to do is if their arm got cut off or leg got cut off, they could regenerate it like a lizard. Sure. So. And a starfish. Yes. And they... Uh, <laughs> Obviously, several figures done of Boss. Sure, so. yeah. All right, number 11 uh, for G.I. Joe, we have uh, General Hawk. Okay. Uh, General Hawk actually had a couple of different figures with a couple of different changes of them. Uh, released in 1982 as a straight-arm figure, then released again in 83 with a swivel-arm battle grip. He came with a missile command center, uh, which was three missiles on a tripod, mm-hmm. and he would shoot that off. Uh, and He was just Hawk. He wasn't General Hawk at that time. He was just Hawk. Minion box, if you want to get that with the Missile Command Center, six seventy five, loose for the figure, fifteen to twenty bucks, and then released again in nineteen eighty six as the GI Joe Commander as General Hawk. So sometime between nineteen eighty three and eighty six, he got a promotion <laughs> to General. And if you want to pick him up, mint on card, it's forty five to fifty five, loose is seven to ten, and that's where we see the General Hawk, where we know with a leather jacket and right. the camouflage pants, and apparently somewhere along the lines too, he went from a blonde hair guy to a Dark-haired, brown-haired guy. Well, you know. So, with his promotion came a new hairdo, a new haircut. Women can do it like Cooler guys. leather jacket, you yeah. know. So, that's I know a lot of blondes that turn dark hair later on in life. Sure. So, maybe maybe that's why. I don't know. But he is a G.I. Joe commander, so he's the top of the ranks. General Hawk used which, a lot in... Which is the only reason I'm kind of surprised he's not in the top ten. Used a lot in the G.I. Joe comic books. Right. And in the Devils do release the G.I. Joe comic books, they had him actually uh, in a wheelchair. Oh, okay. He uh, took a bullet. Oh, wow. And he was put into a wheelchair. Wow. All right. Uh, number 11 for me, Captain Rex. Okay. Who first appeared in Clone Wars Battle of Teth for Young Reader's Book by Kirsten uh, Mayer. And this actually came out the exact same day and time as the Clone Wars novel by Karen Travis, which was the what the oh, movie yeah. was based yeah. on. So it's almost like you have to take both books and figure out which page he first appeared on to figure out which book he actually first now, appeared the, in. The Young Reader's book, is that the one where you listen to the record and the Probably. chimes? No, you I, turn the page? No, I think you have to be around 13 of years of age or something <laughs> like that. I don't know. Hey, many people might not remember that, but uh, a long time ago when we were kids, they used to produce books with records, right. little vinyl records. And you put the record on the record player, and it would read along the book to you. Right. And at the end, it would say, when I, when I ring this chime, and it would chime or ring a yep. bell, turn the page, and we'll keep reading the story. Yeah, I remember those. Those, those were great. great. Those were great. He is in command of Torrent Company, which is a unit in the 501st Clone Trooper Bat- uh, Battalion. So, again, I said that's one of my favorite right. units. So, that's why they uh, were taking care of the lawless and dangerous sectors of the Outer Rim. The Outer Rim is always a favorite area of mine because that's where you get the coolest characters. So, uh, obviously, a few figures done of him already. We'll go ahead from there. All right, here we go. Uh, Top ten. Yeah, top ten. We're up to the top ten. Top ten of G.I. Joe. uh, Number ten, we have Roadblock. Okay. 
Uh, I agree. Heavy Machine Gunner, 1984 released, also a member of Tiger Force. Roadblock was, uh, if you want to pick him up, 165 to 210 men on card, loose 12 to $15. Uh, there was actually two releases of this figure, one in 84 with the regular you know, brown pants, camouflage tank top, and then they released one again, I believe, in 1986, where he's got... 85, I'm sorry. Where he's got the uh, the gray pants and the uh, the vest on. So okay. two different releases of that character. But yeah, Roadblock was uh, basically a big, strong guy. He could pick up a big, giant, heavy machine gun and right. hold it, and most people couldn't. And he also was really cool in the comics and in the uh, cartoon because he was very soft-spoken, wanted to be a chef. You didn't think a right. big guy like that could you know, cook or be a chef, and he was toting around a big machine gun. But Like George Foreman. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The George Foreman of the G.I. Joes. That's right. But a very, very cool character. One of my favorites. Okay. Uh, my number 10 is only the number 10 because it's a personal favorite of mine. For no other reason than that. The Rancor. Okay. I am a huge fan of the Rancor. It's probably my favorite alien species or whatever. Uh, first appearance was Return of the Jedi film. Uh, creature designer Phil Tippett describes the Rancor as a cross between a gorilla and a potato. I, wow. I don't know. That's what was said. I well, don't he's know. He's brown, I guess. Right. Maybe, that. Maybe his brain's the size of a potato. Right. Uh, based on the original maquette, Industrial Light Magic first sought to create the Rancor as a uh, person in a creature suit, but after video tests, they found that that wasn't going to work. So the Rancor was then redesigned as an 18-inch tall puppet made of foam, foam latex, and they, rather than using stop-motion animation, uh, the puppet would be, in which case they would be like, doing frame-by-frame pictures. The Rancor was instead filmed in slow motion while being operated by three puppeteers. Okay. Uh, And then when they put it at regular speed, it looked like this big lumbering uh, beast. The Rancors uh, supposedly come from the planet Dathomir, but they've been on many different planets. Uh, The witches of Dathomir, who use the Force, can actually tame them and ride them. Uh, It's believed that only those with the Force potentially could control them. Uh, because they're so savage. It's unsure how Jada the Hutt really got his. There is a story about how someone that he had an association with was bringing one somewhere in transport, crash land on Tatooine, and Bid Fortuna and this other guy, who's kind of a lesser character, went out and to gain favor with Jabba yeah. and got him this rancor and brought it back after, obviously, many of their men had died was trying to a, do a so. Was it a uh, young raised one, it from a pep. Even a, a young one yeah. uh, would be would be death. But uh, the interesting thing is that Bib Fortuna got promoted because of that. Nice. And the other guy got uh, honored by being the Rancor's first meal. Nice. Jabba entrusted the care of the Rancor to a Karelian named Malakili, who loved the beast as a cherished pet. They he ends appear, up being the Rancor Keeper. Yes, he ends up being the Rancor Keeper. And they also the Rancors also make an appearance in the Force Unleashed video game. Okay. Rode by I the Volutions, yeah. yeah. So Many characters released to that. Yeah, very many. Uh, and we will be doing a review on the one I got, which was a Target exclusive. We'll be doing that uh, in a future episode. So. Yeah, definitely. All right, number nine for uh, G.I. Joe characters. We have uh, Shipwreck. Okay. Which in 1985 release, he's a sailor. Uh, mint on card, 110 to 150 loose 15 to $18. Also came with our favorite, Polly the Parrot, yeah. which should have never happened. Did that help move him down to number nine? Yeah. <laughs> I like Shipwreck. I like the character. I like the fact that he's a smartass. Yeah, I like Shipwreck. And he mouths off. He's really nice update on the character. He's not looking like he just stepped out of the Navy right. in this, as he did in the cartoon. In the comic books, looks more of... He's got the scully cap on and the uh, dark black and camouflage. And yeah. He was actually a release 
two with the 25th anniversary edition, much like the normal. And they also released him in the Rise of Cobra, but he wasn't in the movie. Okay. He's just one of the G.I. Joes that made it as a release. There's also a Toys R Us exclusive figure of him, Arctic Shipwreck, which they put the bird in with him in the snow in the Arctic, which could probably freeze a bird and kill right. it. But could probably die, yeah. Yeah, I just I always liked Shipwreck because he was just a smart ass. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So he made the list of number nine. Okay. Uh, my number nine is Chewbacca. Or, nice. Or just Wookiees in general. But, no, Chewbacca. But mostly Chewbacca. Um, I like the Wookiees, too. But uh, He first appeared in a New Hope film. George Lucas' inspiration for Chewbacca was his loyal pet uh, Alaskan Malamute that he named Indiana, nice. which is where Indiana Jones, Jones came, came from. from. Yeah. The sound of him came from a combination of walruses, camels, bears, and badgers that were all blended for different ratio com- combinations. Oh. An interesting, couple of interesting things, things I found interesting. Uh, in 1980, Chewbacca was kidnapped by a group of madcap Muppets in a special episode of The Muppet Show. I did not know that. And in this episode, they also saw Mark Hamill was in it, uh, Anthony Daniels as C-3PO, and R2-D2 was in it. So... Uh, I actually have that episode. It's very fun. It's very nice. cool. And then in 1997, Chewbacca won the Lifetime Achievement Award. Chewbacca won yes. the Lifetime Achievement Award? <laughs> yes. Uh, at the MTV Movie Awards. Nice. That's a place where Chewbacca can win yes, an award. Yes, exactly. A visibly moved Mike Myers introduced the mighty Wookiee, who walked to the podium amidst a standing ovation. Chewie again played by Peter Mayhew. Yeah, was he the same? The same guy, yeah. All right, nice. Uh, finally received the medal he had been waiting 20 years to get from Carrie Fisher. Because you remember in a new Yeah, home, yeah, she didn't give him one. They all got medals except Chewbacca. I was like, what the He's hell? He's standing yeah. off to the side. Yeah. Where's my fucking medal, bitch? Now, one of the things I do want to point out, uh, and this is a big spoiler, so if you don't want to hear of Chewbacca's fate and what's been going on with him, go about a minute or two ahead right now. But um, Chewbacca's dead. <laughs> uh. um, Chewbacca uh, what basically happened was in the battle with the Yuzan Vong Han Solo's teenage son Anakin and Chewbacca began organizing a desperate evacuation of this one planet they were cramming as many people as they could in the Falcon because this moon was coming to rushing to the surface and was going to destroy the planet, destroy the planet. Uh, as the moon rushed closer to the surface Chewbacca was cut off from the Falcon Anakin was faced with a terrible decision to pilot the ship away leaving Chewbacca behind in the stories invade and well Chewbacca stood his ground, howling defiantly at the immense moon as it crashed onto the planet's surface, uh, killing the Wookiee. And Han Solo's kids mess up a lot. Yeah, and in Invasion, the comic book series we'll be covering, uh, Han Solo is actually still dealing with the fact that Chewbacca's been killed, and uh, Anakin feels awful, like he feels like his father hates him. Yeah. Uh, which he doesn't, but he kind of... best right, friend, yeah. Exactly. So, you know, rest in peace, Chewbacca. Yeah. So. A lot more, a lot more uh, you know, character depth than, than G.I. Joe, I guess. Yeah. All right, uh, number eight out of the top ten for G.I. Joe, we have Gung-Ho. Okay. Gung-Ho, uh, 1983 release. He's the Marine. Mm-hmm. Uh, also had a 1986 release as well, uh, Marine Dress Blues, where he's in his dress blues. Right. Marine's uniform. Uh, very, very prominent character in the cartoon, comic books, just all over the place with Gung-Ho here. Uh, mint on card, 135 to $150. Uh, Lou, you're looking at... Ten to twelve dollars, and Gung Ho was actually one of the one figures that I saw that really got me into GI Joe as a kid. Okay, because the next door neighbor kid, Larry, I told you about, um, he actually had a couple of those because he had a little brother and he had one. His little brother had to have everything he did, so I was actually I got to play with one of his characters and be on the team. 
and Gung Ho was always one of the characters I wanted because he just looked like a tough right. you know, son of a bitch character. But they had the camouflage pants on and the jacket and everything right. like that. So and the tattoo on the chest. Yeah, the Marine Corps tattoo on the chest. Yeah. When I when I got enough a uh, little bit of money you know together, he was actually the third G.I. Joe character I got. Oh, okay. Yeah, the first I just go through Flash, Rakondo, Gung Ho. Then I got Storm Shadow, but that's the last I the top four because okay. after that I got multiple ones for gotcha. Christmas and stuff. Like okay. That. Big fan of Gung Ho. Very nice. All right, my number eight is uh, Boba Fett. Nice. So, he, and I think eight's appropriate for Boba Fett. Okay. Um, around there. Boba Fett rules. Um, first appearance of Star Wars Holiday Special, which I've already gotten into. Um, <laughs> Fett had another pre-Empire appearance in the daily newspaper strip story arc entitled The Frozen World of Oda. Uh, in both of these stories, he meets up with Luke Skywalker, and they kind of befriend each other. Uh, Boba Fett's actually kind of using him and everything else. But because of that all happening, they uh, it's kind of thought of as that that never really those stories really never happened. Really. So yeah, obviously he fell into the. You can trace his origins back to the rejected Darth Vader concepts, which kind of makes sense. And then you can obviously he fell into the Sarlacc pit, but the Sarlacc kind of had indigestion because of him. <laughs> yeah. And spit him back up. Yeah, he didn't die. No. Nice. And then he actually ended up getting knocked back into the Sarlacc. And somehow still survived that, right. and he showed up. He's Boba Fett, right? And he showed up uh, several years later, and still like on the tra- uh, track of Han Solo and going after his kids and all that type of stuff. Bounty hunter to the end. Interesting thing is, uh, uh, Boba Fett actually had a daughter named, nice. named Aelin, and he eventually became the head of the Mandalorians. He became the Mandalore, Mandalore as yeah. we learned about those in Knights of the Old Republic. Uh, so he became the Mandalore, and he had a daughter. And Did it say anything about who his uh, baby's mama is? Yeah, um, that's kind of a very in-depth story as um, far as what's involved with all that. There, there's a lot of things going crazy with that. So I, did, I didn't, for the interest of time, I didn't want to get into that right now. Right? Maybe that's, sometime if we just do like a special big biography on Boba yeah. Fett, I'll, I'll cover it then. So biography on Boba yeah. Fett's baby's mama. Yep. All right, number seven, uh, the GI Joes. We have the Baroness character. Okay. Baroness, uh, released in 1984, was a Cobra intelligent agent. Looking to get her a Mendon card, 290 to 375 Loose is $18 to $24. Many different backstories on the Baroness that they've done here. Um, in the cartoon, she was like kind of romantically involved with Destro. In uh, The Rise of Cobra, first it was Duke Channing Tatum, and then uh, Nanobited by her brother ends up being the Cobra commander, and then she's like... In with somebody else. Your, uh, your favorite you know, story. Yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> then she ends up getting back, trying to like Destro in the movie a little bit toward the end there. But then the, Joe's kind of help her and Duke kind of helps her get back. And then she's kind of liking Duke again. And at the end, she's in prison. But very much, I like the Baroness character. Overall, my favorite would be the comic book one. Okay. In the comic book, she's uh, a character and she gets knocked over and her his tank gets blowed up. And uh, they take her, and she's all bandaged up and scarred. They take her away to Switzerland to heal and everything like that. And Major Blood goes back and gets her. And they reveal the look of the Baroness, as you know today. Really pretty, the glasses with okay. the black leather. Yep. And Major Blood, being the poet that he is, described her as, you, I can't get over the fact that you look so good. Your face, it's a poem. So What's, with all, the, what's with all the poetry with these villains? I man? don't know, but the, the Baroness is uh, one of the... More ruthless, you know, Cobra characters out there. Okay. She's one of the ones who'll kill you, and then when you're dead, she'll stab you. Just she, to make sure you're she, dead. She looks good when she's doing it. With so. her high heels, yeah. Yeah. Uh, number seven for me is Wedge Antilles. Wedge? Wedge. 
Oh, no, see, you can't even knock me on Wedge because I can tell you there's a number of fans out there who come to Wedge's defense. Wedge is... Above Boba Fett, yes. Princess Leia, Lando, yeah. C-3PO, and yep. the Emperor. Wedge is a very beloved character. Uh, he's one. He's the only... Well, first he appears in the New Hope, the film. Sure. Although an uncommon man, Wedge has a, a common name. A uh, number of characters in Star Wars stories have had the last name of Antilles. In fact, it's stated that Antilles is almost like the Smith yeah. of Star Wars. So I thought you meant the name Wedge. No. <laughs> He's a cross like a potato. No. <laughs> no, it's the Rancor. Oh, okay, all right, all right. In the early drafts, uh, draft scripts of Star Wars, Wedge was a young human pilot named Chewie. Chewie Baca. Yeah. Uh, actor Dennis Lawson, who is Ewan McGregor's real-life uncle. Really? Uh, played Wedge Antilles in the classic trilogy. I did not know so that. So that's kind of interesting, too. I did not know that. Wedge is the head of Rogue Squadron. Right. Uh, he is the only, to my knowledge, he's the only named minor character that appears in all three movies of the original trilogy. Okay. Like, he's just this background character, side character, but he survives all three movies. He obviously had a huge impact in destroying the Death Star, the yeah. second Death Star. Second one, yeah. Uh, and, and decent impact on the first one, but, you know, he kind of just was there. Yeah. But, uh, Who did it but, all. And then he was in the Snow Speeders, t- helping the... For the Battle of Hoth and so right. so uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, he's got a long, long history in the expanded universe. But uh, and he does get married and and has a family and everything, so that's pretty cool too. But yeah, you can't knock uh, Wedge because, like I said, there's a lot of fans out there for Wedge. A lot of Wedge fans out there. Yeah. A lot of Wedge support. Yeah. All right, number six uh, <laughs> for the GI Joes, we have uh, Scarlet, the counterintelligence officer for GI Joe, much like Baroness was for Cobra. And they were both female. Go figure on that. Yeah, there you go. Because those those women are sneaky. Yeah. <laughs> Released in 1982 as one of the original straight-arm G.I. Joes, one of the original 13. Got a re-release in 1983. Uh, the 82 release, if you're looking to get it in on cards, 310 to 400, whereas the 83 release is 300 to 375. Loose, $18 to $25 for the 82 release, and mint on card, 15 to 22. And Scarlet is the, the red-headed character. She's romantically involved with Duke, in the cartoon, whereas she's romantically involved with Snake Eyes in the comic book. So a lot of different, you know, people going back and forth saying that uh, Scarlet should hook up with Snake Eyes, Scarlet should hook up with Duke. I guess she just hooks up with whoever, you know. Yeah, she's a slut. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Should have been higher on the list than if she was a slut. (laughs) Could have moved her up to three. Put her in Princess Leia's slave outfit and we're all set. Scarlet in slave gear. Yeah, there we go. But yeah, I I like Scarlet. She was kind of, her father kind of trained her. Uh, in, uh, in the art of uh, Kung Fu Nujitsu. She had some brothers growing up, so she was a tough girl. Uh, and she's always predominantly played as a strong female leading character, whether it be in the comic books or in the cartoons. So. Okay. Uh, my number six, Chuck's not going to like either, but uh, Anakin Skywalker slash Darth Vader. Wow, six. Number six. That low. A first appearance, a New Hope film. I know he would be your number one. You know what? The whole fucking movie is about him. <laughs> But. Anakin Skywalker, the whole movie, the whole trilogy is about Anakin Skywalker being a boy, growing right. up, and becoming Darth Vader. Right. But it, and how this young kid is trying to become the Jedi, being balanced to the Force, and falls to the dark side. It's what the whole movie's about, and he's number six. Yep. Because here's the thing. Are there any other characters left in yes. this? Yes, there is. But here's the reason. Because you have, and I've stated this to you, the reason why is because I pulled from characters of the entire Star Wars universe, the entire mythos, so all the expanded universe. So in that respect, Anakin had a very short career. You don't, you don't think he left some kind of legacy as Darth Vader? Yeah, Luke. 
Which we'll get yeah. to. We'll get yeah, to. he fathered Luke. Right, we'll get to that. Who eventually did bring balance to the force. Right, but you can't give... I'm not going to give your dad credit for the good things you do if you did anything good. I don't know. Wow, now you're saying I have no good accomplishments. <laughs> All right, so anyways, let me, let me get into this here because we're running long. Uh, first appearance is a New Hope film. The name Anakin dates back to the early day, early earliest drafts of Star Wars where the character was to play a role similar to Luke's in A New Hope. Uh, in this early incarnation, Anakin Starkiller was the 16-year-old son of Cain, a respected warrior. He lived with his father and his 10-year-old brother, Deke, on the desert planet of Utapau. By the third draft of Star Wars, Luke becomes the central character and he's established to be an orphan. His father had died in the Battle of Kandan at the hands of treacherous Sith Lord of Alderaan. I like those hostess Kongdongs. Yeah. <laughs> those are good. <laughs> Those are ding-dongs. They're not as good as Twinkies, but they're pretty good. Yeah. How about snowballs? Snowcaps? Snowballs. Snowballs? Yeah, snowballs. I'd rather have a Twinkie. Okay. Initial concept sketches for young Anakin had him a bit uh, older, around 12 years old, which I actually would have preferred that if they had gone that way. Yeah, I always thought he was around 8 to 10 myself. So, but uh, they ended up going with a 9-year-old. So, eight obviously he was Force-sensitive. You know the rest of the history of Darth Vader. I'm not going to really get into all that. Uh, only for this interest of time. I have a lot on him, but... Uh, there's a lot going on with him, but you know. Anyways, so but that, anyways, anyways, that's uh, that's Darth Vader. Wow, Darth fucking Vader. Yeah. All right, and uh, he actually moved up on the list because of Anakin. Oh, he moved him up to six because of all the stuff Anakin's been doing now. Wow. So I like the Clone Wars and stuff like that. So. <laughs> okay, but, I'm beside myself. Okay, the Clone Wars cartoon, and obviously a lot of figures of Darth Vader. In fact, all the sure. all the characters I have left have a lot of figures yeah. of them. So. Yeah, many, many characters of uh, the seldomly used Darth Vader. Right. All right, number five, G.I. Joe Universe, we have Storm Shadow. Okay. 1984 release, he's the Cobra Ninja. Uh, also got a re-release in 1988 when he turned good and became one of the G.I. Joes in the camouflage and the hood. Sure. Uh, but if you're looking to get the original one, mint on card, 375 to 600 uh, Loose is 35 to $60. Uh, member of the Arkashi Ninja Clan. Yep. Whose uh, uncle ends up being the hard master who ends up training. Another unfortunate name for a character, the hard master. There's a soft master, too. <laughs> ends up training uh, a young Storm Shadow and Snake Eyes in the arts of the uh, Akashi Way. Um, I think that's a breakfast cereal, too, isn't it? Yeah, Kashi. Kashi, Kashi yeah. Uh, ends up training uh, young Storm Shadow and Snake Eyes. And you see in uh, Resolute where Storm Shadow ends up killing his own uncle because he teaches. Uh, Snake Eyes, the other steps, and it doesn't teach him. But in the uh, comic book, a Cobra Assassin kills the Master and ends up being Zartan. Oh. And originally it said in the comic books that Storm Shadow joins Cobra to find out who the Assassin was in Cobra to deal with him and take care of him, and then he doesn't want to be a bad guy. He just wants to join that to avenge the, his uncle's death, which is totally contradicting because in the uh, Resolute they have him actually killing his own uncle. But yeah, a very popular character, uh, Storm Shadow was. Okay. Uh, my number five, Han Solo. Who deserves to be in the top five? Sure, above Darth Vader. Right. Right. Absolutely. And he is. Yeah, So I guess. All right. So, <laughs> A New Hope film is his first appearance. Han Solo first appeared in the rough and first drafts of Star Wars as a, this is hilarious, as a hulking green alien with no nose and large gills. I think they made a better choice than Harrison Ford, yeah. yeah. I think so. <laughs> Uh, he was supposed to be a Jedi warrior and friend to General Skywalker. Uh, as the story developed, Solo became a burly-bearded Karelian pirate who dressed flamboyantly. 
So a gay he was a gay pirate. gay pirate. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There you go. Again, better choice with hindsight. <laughs> with by the, Ford there, by yeah. the third draft, Solo became the reckless star pilot we all recognize. Uh, you can see his early uh, smuggling days in the stories uh, Star's End, Han Solo's Revenge, and Han Solo and the Lost Legacy. Um, you can also see some of his uh, young life in the stories of the Paradise Snare, Hut Gambit, and Rebel Dawn. Those are a little bit better um, because the, the other ones I mentioned, the Lost Legacy and all that, are really early. Like they're in the '80s when they, those came out, and they just weren't very good. He was raised uh, mostly raised by a kindly female Wookiee named Dulana, uh, who taught Han compassion as well as the Wookiee language. So that's why you can understand Chewbacca. Chewbacca yeah. He obviously won the. Millennium Falcon. Millennium Falcon from uh, Lando. The only family that we really know as far as a tie to his actual family was an unscrupulous cousin named Thracken South Solo, um, who plays who plays some big factors later. So, so yeah, Han Solo, again, obviously a lot of figures. So Yeah, also a little sidebar about Han Solo. I was just listening to a podcast where they interviewed Harrison Ford, and they asked him before the uh, last Indiana Jones movie, The Crystal Skull, was made. Uh, would you like to go back and revisit one of your roles as Indiana Jones? He goes, I, I would go back and do that role in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. And they asked him the same question, would you like to go back and revisit the role of Han Solo? And he actually said no. He goes, I'm done with that character. Yeah, I actually had heard that too. Um, yeah, a lot of a lot of Star Wars fans were kind of put off about that. But yeah. I, 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 he said he, he went as far as he could with that character. There's no more character development to do. Whereas with Indiana Jones, he felt he, he left more there to develop right. and more to become to that character. And I can kind of understand that. I guess my only argument would be the fact that there's been some great stories that have been done since then yeah. with Han Solo yeah, as I, an older character. And I, I would go as far as saying Han Solo was the fact that puts you on the map as an actor. Right. It, you would think that, unless he's not a science it, it wasn't, fiction fan. Yeah, it wasn't American Graffiti. No, unless he's not a science <laughs> fiction fan, I don't know why he wouldn't want to do that again. Yeah, but I don't know. He's more well known for being Han Solo, I would say, as opposed to Indiana Jones. My personal yeah. opinion as yeah. a Star Wars fan. I, I, but I, I did like both roles. I like both roles, too. I'm a huge fan of both roles. Yeah. All right. All right. Number four for G.I. Joe, uh, Snake Eyes. Okay. All right. I'm all right with that. A lot of people think he's the number one character, so a little... He's sp- the number one used character. Number one used character, yeah. Uh, originally released as one of the original 13 in 1982 with the straight arms. Was uh, re-released in 83. He's the G.I. Joe Commando at this point in time. Again, another re-release of him in 1985 as a Commando. Not Ninja, Commando. Mm-hmm. Right. And 85 came with the Timber, the Timberwolf, with the different right. visor where he got an updated look. Uh, but Snake Eyes is a silent character. He does not speak. He took a vow of silence. So it's not that he can't speak. He just oh. doesn't speak. Okay. That's the that's the cartoon Snake Eyes. Okay. Now, the comic book Snake Eyes is different. Okay. The comic book Snake Eyes in Vietnam, Him Stalker and, Him Stalker and Snake Eyes, Storm Shadow. We're all together in Vietnam, and they, he was in a helicopter crash, and it disfigured his face. Okay. And that's why he can't speak. That's the one I'm, I think I'm familiar with. So. Right, and that's, that's the one a lot of people know about. But in the, uh, I think in the G.I. Joe and the Rise of Cobra movie, they also state that, same thing with the cartoon, that he took a vow of silence and he doesn't speak because of that. Okay. Because of his uncle, his, not his uncle, but his master being killed. Gotcha. Okay. But Snake is a very popular character. They even did comic books, uh, Snake Eyes... Or G.I. Joe starring Snake Eyes as part of the later uh, last, you know, 10 to 12 issues of the comic book. Right. Okay. 
But somewhere along the line, they, they turn him into a friggin' ninja. Right. Where he started off as just being a commando. And that's the version of Snake Eyes I like more. Yeah. Just the commando Snake Eyes. And I think the version I like more is the combination of the two. Like, where it's not too much ninja, not too much commando. It's kind of the combination of the I like two. the one that's commando who knows a little bit of ninjutsu. Yeah. Or knows a little bit of karate to yeah. keep himself from getting killed. Yep. That's the one I like. Uh, my number four is Luke Skywalker. Okay. First appearance is in New Hope. Uh, early versions of Luke were a grizzled war hero of 60. He was a Jedi Master that would blend the qualities of both the classic era Obi-Wan Kenobi and the prequel era Qui-Gon Jinn. Uh, the daydreaming farm boy that plunges into a galaxy of, of adventures was a role filled by Anakin Starkiller in the early drafts. Uh, at one point, Luke was even a female character, oh, yeah. uh, merging the aspects of Luke and Leia. Even when the, uh, he had finally evolved into the recognizable character that we know, he was known as Luke Starkiller. And they eventually named him Luke Skywalker because they said it sounded less violent. Yeah. And he's supposed to be a good guy. So it was such a focus on him that the books and comics and everything else that came out uh, were subtitled from the adventures of Luke Skywalker. Right. He was trained by Obi-Wan Kenobi. He actually... And Yoda. And, Yoda. Right. and he actually, after Obi-Wan died and he went off to go rescue Han and everything else, he actually went back to Obi-Wan's uh, place and found a book that Obi-Wan wrote about the Jedi ways. It didn't tell him everything, but it told him a bit, and he was still visited by Obi-Wan for many years as a so get some spirit. More, more updated, training, more updated yeah. training. He felt that he needed to learn how to deal with the dark side by touching on the dark side, which happened in Dark Empire. and Kind of like what Mace did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, except a little bit more extreme, even. Okay. So, uh, eventually he started a new Jedi Academy, and he eventually named himself the Grand Master. The Grand Poobah. Yes. Uh, so uh, evidently, and everyone was fine with that. They were just like, okay, well, yeah, you're the, you're grand, the only one left. Yeah, sure. you're the Grand Master. Well, there was a lot at that point. Yeah, but, so, he, was, but like, he was the first one that yeah. started it all again. So uh, because, especially because of him bringing back the Jedi Order, that's why I put him at number four. And George Lucas named his ranch after Skywalker yeah, Ranch. Skywalker Ranch. So, so. got to be up there. Uh, number three and top Skywalker. Three. Skywalker Sound too. The yeah. sound company that George Lucas has. Right. Number three, uh, GI Joe. We have Duke. Okay. Uh, the G.I. Joe First Sergeant. Uh, originally was a 1983 mail-away character, and he came with a little USS, USA flag with a sticker to put on his shoulder. If you got that character, it's 125 to 150 uh, Without the sticker, it's $15, $18. With the sticker, it's 25 to 30 because the sticker kind of peeled off over time. Right. Uh, carded, Minton Card in 1984. Uh, he had two different versions of that. There was a, a rare version that had his sleeves being cuffed up. As opposed to pulled all the way down. If you got that rare version, it's four seventy five to seven fifty. If you got the regular version with the regular sleeve version, not the cuff, it's uh, three seventy five to five fifty. So a large discrepancy there on which version you have. Loose, uh, we're looking at the the variant version, uh, eighteen to twenty two dollars, and the regular version fifteen to eighteen dollars. And Duke, for the longest part, was the leader of the GI Joes in the uh, cartoon. Right. Uh, so before '86, it was uh, all Duke was the head of the GI Joe. Uh, it was the blonde-headed, six-foot, you know, quarterback kind of guy. Right. So he was the. That's why I liked him. He reminded me of me. Of course. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> also had a re-release in uh, as a GI Joe figure for the Tiger Force. If we're looking at the comic book, his first appearance in a comic book, I think, is issue number twenty-two, where him and Roadblock come together. Okay. And uh, shoot down Wild Weasel in his Rattler at oh, a nice. funeral for, um, I believe it's for, there's a funeral for uh, one of the General Flag. Okay. And uh, that's the time Flag was killed and Dr. Venom and Quinn 
the, the Eskimo tracker was killed. So that's when he makes his first appearance in the wow, comic book. That's a lot later than I would have thought of. Yeah, yeah. So. G.I. Joe, he wasn't released until, like, uh, like I said, 83, 84. So right. by that time, that's when he was introduced to the comics. They were already in the number 20s. Okay. So very, very prominently used character. He's the main character in the cartoons until they introduce Flint. And he becomes the main character. Okay. Uh, my number three was Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, who over the years has actually moved up for me, especially with the new movies coming out. They've really fleshed out Obi-Wan a lot more. Mm-hmm. Uh, more of the backstory. Yeah, and they've given him a lot more of a role in the Clone Wars animated yeah. series and everything. You so, find out a lot more about his backstory in the Clone yep. Wars, too. So uh, his first appearance was a New Hope film. Uh, in the third draft, Obi-Wan is said to be the author of the diary, di- Diarrhea. Diarrhea. <laughs> cha, cha, cha. The Diary of the Clone Wars. Like uh, Frank. An, an, right. An important tome uh, that young Luke had studied. Uh, later on, obviously, they changed that to where he just kind of kept a journal right. that Luke discovered. Another trait of the early Jedi concept was a piercing warrior cry that would frighten all those who challenged them. This became the crate Dragon Call that Obi-Wan performs to scare away the Tusken Raiders. Right. Early in Marvel Comics, Star War- in the early comic Star Wars run, they crafted a story of a young Obi-Wan Kenobi en route to visit Prince Bail Organa at Alderaan. In the story, Kenobi single-handedly foiled the attempts of the Mersin pirates to attack a luxury liner. This tale is noteworthy because young Obi-Wan adventures had long been strictly regulated uh, since George Lucas had planned to explore the character's youth in the then-distant prequel trilogy. Early in the development of Heir to the Empire, author Timothy Zahn believed that Lucas had abandoned the plans to continue the Star Wars saga, so he came up with his own idea of events of the prequel era, which there's some changes from that, because obviously Lucas gets the final say, and he could disregard everything that's happened. Sure. Yeah, so a lot of stories with Obi-Wan, a lot of things going on with him, but again, in the interest of time, we'll just go ahead and move on. Uh, I think think people can agree that Obi-Wan deserves to at least be in the top five. Okay. Uh, number two for G.I. Joe uh, in the G.I. Joe universe, we have Destro. Okay. Which is uh, the enemy weapon supplier. He started out in 1983. And I know you like your villains. Love villains. So, And in uh, Men on Card, Destro for the 83 version, you're 275 to 390 loose 12 to $15. Got a re-release in 1988 as part of the head of the Iron Grenadiers when he changed from a silver mask to a gold mask with a red cape. I really like that look. That yeah. was a great look for him, yeah. Uh, if you have that, it came with the despoiler vehicle, sixty-five to ninety dollars, and for that figure itself alone, seven to ten dollars. And the reason Destro is number two on my list is because a lot was used, and I thought he was the more sinister villain opposed to him and Cobra Commander. Destro um, wanted to hurry up and get everything going. He always devised the plans and stuff like that. Was well, kind of like the brains of the operation, but he wasn't in charge. So he was like the number two guy, but he always thought he should have been number one. And he had a romantic encounter with the Baroness in the cartoon. Destro is just really, really cool. And in the comic books, later on, when you get past the hundreds of episodes, Destro fights Cobra Commander for control of Cobra. So he kind of raises his own army of Iron Grenadiers instead of Cobra. They try to overthrow Cobra Commander. And it's a very good read. Very good read. Cool. Very cool. Um, my number two uh, is one that Chuck will not agree with, but whatever. Is R2-D2. Yeah, he has so many lines in the movie. And he doesn't need lines. Yeah, I guess not. Uh, his first appearance is in New Hope. He's portrayed by Kenny Baker. He's an astromech droid. Appears in all six movies. He's one of only four characters that appears in all six movies. The interesting thing with him is by the end of Return of the Jedi, he is the only character that knows the entire Skywalker story from beginning to end. 
uh, as far as who the Skywalkers were, as far as surviving characters. Surviving, yeah, because secret his mind. Gets his mind wiped, right, yeah. Darth Vader is dead, you know, so he's the only one that knows all that. Uh, his name, as many people know, came from a edit, uh, editing term when someone was asking for Real 2 Dialogue Track 2, so it came up R2-D2. He was, I have a long list of things why he was a great impact to the Star Wars universe, even without C-3PO. Uh, starting off with, he saved Queen uh, Amidala's ship that was going through the Trade Federation blockade. He was the droid that was left that helped fix the ship so it could get through. Like, all the other ones are blasted off, and he happened to, to be able to get in there and fix it and survive and everything. So, he also, jeez, oh, there's so many things things that he's done uh he saved them in the trash compactor luke han all of them saved them in the trash compactor he's the one he was also had offensive capabilities uh because he would he could zap with his little thing c3po didn't have that uh he also was brought in the plan to rescue han solo from java yeah c3po wasn't brought into the plan because they knew he'd fuck it up so no, they, they presented him as a gift right they, yeah. exactly you don't present r2d2 as a gift r2d2 comes along to make sure c3po doesn't screw the whole thing up so uh princess leia put the plans of the battle star right in. and he had the, the plans for the battle star and he knew or the death star he actually knew where he was going when he landed on tatooine mm-hmm. uh and a really big factor is r2 actually left the owen lars farm estate to go find Obi-Wan, which caused Luke to leave with C-3PO, which saved Luke's life. Yeah, he would have been killed. He would have been dead. Yeah. Uncle Owen and Amber. So, uh, and he he also appears several, several years later. He has a lot of other adventures and a lot of other impacts. But he also appears several years later to Cade Skywalker. Okay. In the Legacy uh, comics. So, he actually, uh, he appears and C-3PO doesn't. So... Wow. Just saying. Just, I'm just saying. Okay, uh, if you want to send in a complaint on that, address that to Ryan at Star Joe's. Plus, he's got a great attitude. <laughs> I mean, I love his attitude. He's spunky. He's, he just, he, he's not afraid. He gets in there. Like, he, he just, he's a great droid. He's awesome. Gets his little hands dirty. He's awesome. Nice. All right, number one. Um, no surprise, the only one left here is Cobra Commander. Yeah, I figured that's who it had to be. So, uh, yeah, we got the Cobra Commander. Without him, there is no Cobra. There is no need for a special G.I. Joe force to fight. Uh, I guess you could fight some other people, but the regular military could take care of that. Released in 1982 as one of the originals Cobra Commanders. He has the straight arms. He's known as the enemy leader, and his codename is actually Cobra Commander. Right. If you have that figure, you know, sealed in this box, 275 to 300, there was another one. They called the Mickey Mouse Cobra Commander because the paint job of the Cobra insignia. <laughs> actually, the middle of the snake looks like a Mickey Mouse logo. Right. And that's actually 125 to 140 in the box. If you have them loose, Mickey Mouse version 65 to 100, whereas the regular version is 60 to 75. So a little bit more premium on that Mickey Mouse version of the straight arm Cobra Commander. He re- released again in 1982 as part of the Cobra Missile Command headquarters, which was a Sears exclusive. If you've got that, that goes anywhere from a thousand to twelve hundred bucks. Uh, mint in the box, open. It's you know still around five hundred bucks to seven hundred bucks. Uh, it's all cardboard, so a lot of it got really damaged, so it's really hard to find one. Um, but that came with the Cobra Commander, the Cobra Officer, Cobra Soldier. He got a re-release in nineteen eighty-three. The swivel arm battle grip, but the same looking figure. Mint on card five hundred fifty for that, eight twenty-five for the higher end. Loose twenty-two to twenty-eight dollars. Again, another re-release in 1984 as the Hooded Cobra Commander, and that was a mail-away version on that. If you have it still mailed in the box that it came in, 32 to $40. 
Uh, loose, we're looking at 10 to $12. Another release, yet again, because they keep improving on this guy, the Battle Armor Cobra Commander, and there's many other after this. I'll stop with this one. And I, don't, I don't know if that was an improvement, but... Yeah. <laughs> It's a cool look. It's a cool look, but I still like the older. The nineteen eighty seven release with the Battle Armor Cobra Commander, uh, Minta card forty to sixty five, loose six to ten dollars. And in the comic books with the Battle Armor Cobra Commander, it wasn't him. It was uh, Crimson Guardman Fred the Fourth. Okay, he took that over and and pretended to be Cobra Commander, and took over Cobra Island while Cobra Commander kind of quit because of his son Billy. Okay, so that's a whole story that goes into that, and you can find that out in uh, GI Joe issues starting with uh, fifty two, fifty three onto sixty. So that explains. I can't that believe story. you just pulled that off the top of your head there. Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, but yeah, Cobra Commander. Many different backstories on it. The ROC has its own stupid thing. We won't even go into that. But if you're looking at the strictly cartoon and strictly the comic book, there's a lot that explains and a lot that's different. There's even a backstory that he was once a used car salesman. I love that backstory. That yeah, was my where he was a used one. car back salesman, a car salesman, and he's all he's a back salesman, back salesman, <laughs> back scratcher salesman, door to door like vacuum cleaners. <laughs> he's a used car salesman, and he, he gets uh, he's so disgusted with the government and everything that he tries to overthrow the government and creates his own little government and his own little town and his own little developments, which turn out to be Springfield, which is a prominent location in the GI Joe universe. Right. And then there's the version where he's just a whacked out, tripped out, you know, psychopath who ends up becoming, taking control of a big army. And then there's the Cobra Lop. I was going to say, and then yeah. there's the... Uh, I was once a man. I was a, a snake. snake. Yeah, that, that never <laughs> happened. So he, many different backstories on his character because it's such a unique individual character. That's why he's number one on the list. So whatever version of Cobra Command you like, whether it's, you know, comic book, cartoon, or, you know, whatever have you there... There's many. There's a Cobra Commander out there for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I would agree with him being number one on your list for the exact reason that you said. He, it, without him, do you really need GI Joe? You don't need it. Yeah. So, all right, my number one. If I didn't have him on my list, it would have been dumb. But he, he is my favorite character. It's uh, Yoda. Yeah. So uh, first appearance is Empire Strikes Back. He was voiced by Frank Oz, and that was also his puppeteer. In the here's a couple things. Uh, in the Phantom Menace, the actor Warwick Davis, who did Wicket, okay. played Yoda for scenes where the character was required to walk. And Yoda's first appearance as a completely computer graphic rendered image was in the Phantom Menace in the scene at the close of the film when he's talking to Obi Wan and he's pacing back and forth and everything. So for the radio dramatization, another interesting fact of Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, he was voiced by veteran character actor John Lithgow. Oh, really? Yeah, so that was kind of neat. I didn't know that. He trained Count Dooku, Mace Windu, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Everybody. Uh, Ki-Adi-Mundi, yeah. uh Luke Skywalker, and pretty much everyone that Everybody, yeah. Through, which is another reason why he should be number one. His species is unknown. It's still unknown. That he was a puppet. Also tired. <laughs> He's a Muppet. Muppet puppet. Yeah. He's, uh... And then his species number of toes is kind of inconsistent in the movies. Oh yeah. In some of the movies he's he has it's showing three toes, and some of the movies showing four, some he's showing five. So it's a little consistent there. Maybe as you get older, they just fall off. Right. <laughs> right. Well, I don't know what order they did it in. Yeah. So, sure. Uh, maybe he grows more as he gets older. I don't know. Who knows? Uh, he's around nine hundred years old. Yeah. He appears in five of the six movies. Yeah. The name Yoda may be derived from Yadha uh, or Yodha. Uh, the Sanskrit word for warrior. Mm-hmm. Uh, the name may also be connected, which I like this one better, connected to the Hebrew word uh, yodia, meaning he knows or one who knows. 
Which makes sense for yoga. Sure. Yeah. Some people think it's tied to yoga. Yoga. Or yogurt. Yeah. And Um, space balls. (laughs) In some foreign dubs of the film, uh, Yoda's bizarre manner of speaking can't be translated. Nice. So, he didn't know he was Force-sensitive. There is an origin story as far as when he first became uh, trained as a Jedi. He became, obviously, the Grand Master. He's just a great character. A lot of fun. Uh, One last interesting thing with him was from the Timothy Zahn books. We find out why Yoda was not able to be detected through the Force by as being still alive. It's because he landed on Dagobah, and on Dagobah there was a cave that had the Dark Force in it, which you saw Luke go into. Right, right. That cave had the uh, a Dark Jedi's presence in there. He was killed by another Jedi at one time. So the the Sith Dark Force along with the light force kind of counterbalanced each other yeah. and made it created a negative basically. Yeah, so this way undetectable. And then all the life forces on Dagobah, because there was so much life on Dagobah, the force, it was difficult to detect anyone also. So that's why he was able to remain hidden for so long. Nice. So yeah, that's Yoda. Obviously, you know, I think he's probably number one on a lot of people's lists. So yeah, he trained everybody. To kind yeah. of, you know, it's kind of hard to without, deny without that Yoda. There's no more Jedi. Right. So, so. All right, so uh, we went pretty long. Yeah, good list. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, If you want to contact us, uh, please go to starjoes.com. There's a link there to our forum. It's also the comicforums.com. And scroll down, you find Star Joes. Or if you go to our website, there's a link there. It takes you right to our forum. Check us out on Facebook. Facebook. uh, There's connections there on our website to Facebook as well, our fan pages. We've been adding some more fans, and we'll get into that next time we get together. You can also contact us through our email account, which is starjoespodcast at gmail.com. Like to see a lot more participation in the forums. Hopefully, now that this one's out, people will start telling us who their top fifty were or who or their top even 10. top ten or top yeah five. top ten. Yeah. We don't expect you guys. Fifty's to do, a lot. Yeah, we don't expect you guys to do fifty, but if you want to, you're certainly welcome to. Sure, do a hundred if you want. Um, if you think ours was a load of crap and that we should have put characters in different places, then let us know. Yeah, feel free. If you think that we were right on, and let us know that too. But I'd love to see a lot more participation in the forums. We're starting to get people to interact yeah, a lot more. Yeah, it's slowly developing. It's really really coming along. So uh, so please go there. Uh, other than, And find us on iTunes. Leave us a review there if you can. Yeah. You know, one other thing with it being today's Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday, yep. we're just going to do a quick uh, sports section, sure. uh, Super Bowl picks. Uh, it's going to be the New Orleans Saints versus the Indianapolis Colts. I'm going to lean toward and pick the Indianapolis Saints. Indianapolis Saints? Indianapolis Saints. So I win either way. No, I'm going to pick the New Orleans Saints. Okay. Uh, I thought i trick you up with that. Right. Uh, I was like, where is he going with this? I thought I'd trick you um, up. I'm going to go with the Saints also. Okay. Uh, I like the underdogs. Yeah. And I'm kind of tired of the Manning thing. Yeah, I'm kind of tired of that. And with the people going through so much with Hurricane Katrina, they deserve a little championship. Yeah. They've Absolutely. never been. Let them win one. The Colts have won one. So. Yeah. I guess the consensus star Joe's pick is the Saints. Yeah, the Saints. So hopefully, well, our next episode, we'll see if we're right. Right, absolutely. So, but that's the sports section. Thanks. So, uh, with that, we'll go ahead and close. Uh, hopefully, Chuck, maybe you can get this one right this time. We'll try the first time. We'll go, uh, and we'll just let you know that the force will be with you because knowing us is half the battle. Thank you very much, guys. Boy, am I hungry? What do you want? Maybe I'll get an apple. An apple? Let's buy some candy. Hold on, fellas. Nice Listen to your friend Terrell. He's got the right idea. Yeah, you never catch an NBA player in a candy bar for a game. A candy bar might give you a quick boost of energy, but after 20 minutes, you'll feel run down. 
So let's eat smart. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe.